You are now listening to The Nosebleeds with your hosts, Corey Johnson and Kush Parikh. Be sure to check us out weekly every Monday and Thursday on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Also, don't forget to follow us on social media on Twitter at the underscore nosebleeds. That's K-N-O-W-S bleeds. Also on Instagram at the nosebleeds and on Facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash the nosebleeds. Yo, what up, everybody? Welcome back to the Nosebleeds podcast. That's K N O W S. Bleeds is your boy. You already know it's your boy Kush, and I'm here with my co host, as always, Mr. Corey Johnson. Corey, how are you doing, my man? Are you ready for some football? Because I am. I'm sure as hell ready for some football. Football is officially back, and we cannot wait to talk about that for sure, for sure. Yeah, I'm so, so, so excited to have something to look forward to all day on Sundays and even Thursday nights and Monday nights. I mean, it's crazy to think that we still have NBA playoffs going on as well, too, and the MLB season that's going to start the playoffs. So it's going to be fun. But, um, yeah, we got an NFL jam-packed episode. So, I mean, let's get started with on this day. On this day, September 10th, we're kicking it back to 1995 before I was born. Cleveland Major League Sports franchise, both the Cleveland Browns and the Cleveland Indians, play simultaneous regular season games in Cleveland for the only time. And they both won, actually. The Browns won 22-6 to against Tampa Bay, and the Indians won 5-3 to against the Orioles. Typically, this is about the time where you got baseball getting ready to head into its postseason. NBA's right around the corner. Um... And, 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 you know, sometimes just simultaneously you can have something like that. But, yeah, that's pretty rare that that's the once and only time that that's ever happened. I feel bad for Cleveland fans in general. Just I feel like their sports has been cursed with uh, championships. I mean, finally the, the Cavaliers won one the first time in their franchise history. But get this. I read this uh, fact. The last time the Browns and Indians were in the postseason at the same year was 1954. That's 66 wow. years ago. Wow. <laughs> oh, I mean, the, Cleveland has never been able to rejoice with multiple teams in the playoffs or championships, I should say. Um, Maybe this year changes. Maybe this year, 2020, we've seen a lot of crazy stuff happen. You never know. Yeah, it is 2020, so you never do. No, you are right. <laughs> hey, maybe Browns win the Super Bowl? All right, let's simmer down. Let's simmer down. We'll get into our Super Bowl picks at the end of this episode, but simmer down. <laughs> um, yeah, I'll start off with the NFL. Well, before we – we're going to do a full regular season prediction, division by division, and then also uh, who we have uh, making the playoffs and then our uh, award predictions as well at the end. So we have a jam-packed episode. But before we start, I just want to say, like, only one player tested positive in the latest testing period, uh, which was reported on Tuesday. And the NFL has av- had an average of 8,554 people tested over the three testing periods. And there's only been 24 confirmed positive tests since the start of training camp. So, I mean, that's an amazing percentage right there in itself. And I mean, if, if you're an NFL fan, if you're an NFL team and owner, whatever the case may be, that's good news for you. But my only problem with this is they haven't been traveling. 
They've been kind of quarantined in their own city. They've been playing with the same guys at training camp. Um, so my, my whole concern is what happens when they start traveling? You take traveling into consideration across the U.S. Uh, for games. Lucky for them, I think. Oh, and not only that, and the fact that they have 53 men on the roster traveling like this isn't like the MLB where you have 26 players or the NBA where you have uh, 16 players so I mean it's a lot lot different when it comes to the NFL and I mean one perk for them I guess you can say is that they only play once a week versus these other sports that play up to five times a week you know what I'm saying so what what are your thoughts on that uh yeah I think the traveling is gonna be pretty difficult but I think one of the things that in this circumstance that the NFL's put themselves in as far as like um, trying to still have the season, you know, obviously with limited amount of fans and maybe no, no fans in the stadiums, it's going to be very difficult. I think because you just factor in all the traveling that's going to be going on, especially teams allowing certain amount of fans to come into the stadiums. Got to keep that in mind as well. So you're right as far as they're only playing once a week. But let's say, for instance, we find out that a player has tested positive uh, and it's like Wednesday night and the team has a, a Thursday night game. Does that mean like Thursday night game is canceled? So those are just one of the things that kind of like makes you kind of worried about mm-hmm. whether or not the season is going to – going to last all that long well fingers are crossed um we're hoping for a full season because boy did i miss football and i'm glad it's back it starts today man let's get it um all right let's get into our division predictions it's gonna be a very very long episode and uh, i think full of surprises as well too so let's start off with the afc east we'll start off with the bills uh i have them going 10 and 6 this year and winning the division uh, last year they finished ten and six and made the wild card. Corey, what's your prediction for them? I have them going seven and nine and finishing third this year. Um, I don't know. I feel like the Bills are a good team. Josh Allen's got a strong arm. It's just I'm not all that convinced. I think this AFC East is going to be probably the weakest division next to the NFC East that we see this year, just because of the fact that. Um, we don't there's a lot of question marks about literally all the teams that are in this division we really don't know who is the clear favorite to come out of this division and take this uh this AFC East crown this year which i think makes it that much more interesting the most interesting we've seen out of this division in what two decades yeah, I I mean, for me the reason why i have them winning is cuz they really haven't changed up the team last year and they went 10 and 6 and to their to their benefit no more tom brady no more glorious patriots as we know them to be um so i think it opens up the afc east a little bit more uh and they did get stefan Diggs, but obviously the biggest question with josh allen is he had we know he has the rocket arm but can he be accurate with it and consistently so i mean that's the biggest question for me but other than that i think they they really didn't get that much better outside of Stefan Diggs, but I don't think they got any worse either because Sean McDermott, he's a great coach. And uh, the Bills, I would say they are the definition of home field advantage because it snows out there a lot. So that's to their benefit. And then I think their defense will be top 10 in the league this year. I mean, solid secondary, and they added Josh Norman, and then uh, they beefed up that defensive line, adding A.J. Epinensa in the draft. So that's why I have them going 10-6 and, and winning the division. 
All right, let's move on. We got the Dolphins. I have them sitting at eight and eight and third in the division. Uh, they went five and eleven last year for the worst in the division. Corey, what's your prediction on the Dolphins? I'm right there with you. I got them going eight and eight, but I have them actually taking the division this year. I feel like there is not a whole lot of people talking about this Dolphins team, but there is a lot to be excited for, especially when you look at this, look at the potential. But we always, you know, we don't know if potential is either going to pop or if it's going to, you know, not rise to the occasion. And we've seen with the dual threat quarterback has just been lighting it up in the NFL, what, these past three to four seasons um, with Patrick Mahomes, with Lamar Jackson last year, with Kyler Murray. And who's to say that doesn't happen for the Miami Dolphins with Tua Tagovailoa? I know the biggest question, obviously, with Tua is, is he healthy and can he stay healthy throughout this entire season? Um, but I just think that a storm is brewing with the Miami Dolphins, and they've kind of been in the mix as far as, like, hovering around, like, eight and eight, and they've had Ryan Fitzpatrick, Fitzmagic, you know, doing his thing. And they've kind of been an okay team nobody really has paid attention to them but I think this year like I said with this division being as weak as it's been in a long time they got a really good opportunity to go ahead and take it more so I think than a lot of people realize well yeah sitting at eight and eight I don't think it's too far-fetched just because this team has gotten so much better this last season like you just look at the additions they got from this year on defense I think defense they bolstered it up like crazy getting Byron Jones Kyle Van Noy, Emmanuel Ogba and Shaq Lawson and then on offense like you mentioned they got two attack of Iloa they brought in a two-headed monster in the backfield with Jordan Howard and Matt Breida so my whole thing is when will to a takeover I don't think it will be too long I would say maybe around week three week four if he's like fully healthy to go but Fitzmagic is their guy uh to start the season but I mean it's to a spot to lose it's his spot that's why they drafted him at the number four pick but other than other than that I mean they really didn't lose anybody besides old man Rashad Jones and I think the biggest indicator for for why I had them going in it, it's just because of last year what they did at the end of the season they looked so confident and Brian Flores looked so uh confident in the way he was coaching this Dolphins team last season and I think going into this season it, it will help them for sure but I just I just think they're one year behind I think they need one more year and then they can take that big leap and uh win the division and potentially contend for a championship but I just don't think it's this year I see a big improvement but I just think that this year will not be um the year where they make the playoffs but I will say obviously all eyes will be on Tua when he'll make his first start and I think then we can really gauge on how their future is going to look once Tua gets a start yeah I'm going so bold with it I think that they will probably even upset the Patriots in that first game that is a possibility I well now now that you mentioned let's talk about the Patriots I have them going eight and eight Second in the division, I have them getting the tiebreaker over the Dolphins. And uh, uh, last year, they were first in the division, going 12-4, and four, losing in the wild card round. What's your prediction for the Patriots? I got them going one less win there. I got them at 7-9, and nine, finishing second in the division. And it's no knock on them. I think this is going to be a very interesting season. But it's a season that, based off the offseason alone, with all the guys that have decided to – not play and have pulled out they lost a lot of talent there and a lot of people don't even realize it don't get me wrong respect due to where it is respect where it's due patriots have a long historic history 
of winning. But the partnership of Tom Brady and Bill Belichick is no longer there. Bill Belichick, I don't know if a lot of people realize this. Yes, he's a great coach. Yes, going to have a spot in the Hall of Fame for sure, already reserved for him. But prior to hooking up with Tom Brady, this man was not that great of a head coach. And just the way that he's kind of been going about it this offseason, he's been so lackadaisical, so relaxed, so easygoing, answering reporters' questions that he would normally not answer, um, just being willing to say things that he wouldn't say. Like he was at first willing to say that, like, oh, we're going to allow Brian Hoyer and Cam Newton and everybody to get starting reps. I'm like, what? Like he would never say that when Tom Brady and the machine were all in place. So, I mean, you can clearly see that maybe the emphasis on winning right now is not really all that there. I'm not questioning whether or not, you know, the Patriots are trying to quote unquote tank or, you know, I think that they'll still be a good team, but I definitely don't think that they will be at a top level that a lot of people are predicting them to be with Cam Newton. And with Cam Newton, we forget that when they had Muhammad Sanu, he said their offense was so complicated. They acquired him like mid-season, and he was saying that he was still trying to figure out the offense because it was that complicated. Cam Newton came into this Patriots team late in the game. So you think he's just going to automatically pick up that offense right away? You're dreaming. So it's going to be a difficult time for the Patriots. I think they're going to have those early season struggles that they always do. But instead of turning around mid-season in the second half of the season, those, those regular season struggles are going to uh, tail into the second half, and I just think that they're going to end up missing out on the playoffs this year. It's not a shocker. Yeah, and this is actually going to be their first time in five years that they will not have won the division. So it's going to be – I mean, it's, it's times of change in the AFC East. Um, those are all great points that you brought up, but I think – more on the offensive side, what's getting overlooked is, like you said, on the defensive side. First of all, they lost Tom Brady, yes, on the offense, but a lot of people don't talk about how they lost Jamie Collins. And Jamie Collins was arguably a defensive player of the year candidate who uh, his teammate won in uh, Stefan Gilmore. And then obviously, yes, they signed Cam Newton. They still have Bill Belichick. And I think, in my opinion, they had a very underrated draft uh, with getting Kyle Duggar, John Uche, and Anthony uh, Jennings, who... I think is a good replacement for Jamie Collins, but so many players opted out. Dante Hightower, Pat Chung, Marcus Cannon, those are the most notable ones. And I just think that the Patriots are not going to be the Patriots again, not because of Tom Brady, but because of the supporting cast around him, especially on the defensive end. All right, let's move on to the Jets. I have them at 2-14, fourth in the division. Uh, J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets were third. Last year at seven and nine. Corey, where do you have him this year? Three and 13, man. I just don't trust Adam Gates. And if he doesn't get fired after this year, I think that the misery will continue in New York. I just don't believe that the Jets are in a position to take the strides that we were kind of talking about when they were in contract negotiations with Jamal Adams. Then they decide to trade him for some future assets that at this point in time, obviously we don't know what those assets will be. And that obviously is going to make your team worse when you trade your best defensive player and you're kind of planning for the future instead of trying to win right now. And I just, I just feel like this offense 
it's just kind of weird to me because somebody even brought it up and it was an interesting point. We know that Adrian Peterson is headed to Detroit and he's not going to be riding the bench because he's trying to chase history. What makes people think that Frank Gore is coming into New York to just be fine with sitting on the bench? Frank Gore is expecting to get some sort of touches and some sort of reps, which I'm sure Le'Veon Bell is not going to be cool with because he wants to make sure that, you know, he's out there getting the ball and getting action as much as he possibly can. So, and then also you just throw in the fact that like what targets or what uh, weapons is my man Sam Darnold going to have to throw to? I mean, the Jets just look like a complete mess and I'm just getting some very, very, very bad vibes with them. I'm getting New York Mets vibes with the scenes. I just don't expect them to have a really good season. I just think it's going to be a train wreck. I honestly couldn't have said it better myself. All those points that you just made is pretty much what I'm thinking as well, too. First of all, Adam Gase, I, I don't think he is the head coach for Sam Darnold on this offense. And I could see him possibly getting fired this year. And I think this is a make or break season for both Sam Darnold and Adam Gase. And then your point with Le'Veon Bell and Frank Gore, I think Frank Gore was a good addition uh, just because I feel like it's going to take some pressure off of Le'Veon Bell because uh, they lost Bilal Powell as well. So he gets a little help in the backfield, but to your targets, no weapons whatsoever. They lost Robbie Anderson. I mean, they d- drafted Denzel Mims, who I, I actually really like, um, inside Brashad Perriman, but that's really about it. Like, they, they didn't help Sam Darnold at all getting any weapons. And for a guy who's entering his third season right now, I mean, they're, they're just setting him up for disaster. And for, as we all know, the New York media is going to hound them. And, I mean, for a young player like that, that's really demoralizing and could potentially mess up his career. So, I mean... The Jets are just in a shitty situation right now. They have no identity right now. And, uh, yeah, they just need to figure it out in New York because um, it's a shitty place to be in right now. Yeah, if he was seeing ghosts last year, I can only imagine the goblins, ghouls that he's going to see this year because it's going to be bad. All right, let's move on to the AFC West. We have the Broncos went 7-9 and nine last year, second in the AFC West. I have them this year going four and 12, fourth in the division. What about you, Corey? I actually am going to go in the opposite direction. I think that the AFC West this year is going to be quite competitive and more competitive than a lot of people are even going to realize. I've got the Broncos going nine and seven, just missing out on the playoff spot, though. Um, they're going to finish third in the division. Uh, and I feel like this is the year where we're going to see a lot out of Drew Locke. I feel like Drew Locke is going to take a lot of uh, steps forward. I like what I'm seeing out of the offense. Biggest concern, though, bad news on the defensive side of the ball. Von Miller going down, looking like it's going to be a season-ending injury. And that's tough to lose your anchor and as far as your, uh, your probably your best defensive player. And I think that's probably going to be a big reason why they kind of come up short on missing the playoffs this year. But um, I'm not a big Vic Vangio fan. I'm not a huge believer in their run game. And, you know, it's going to be a lot of pressure to put on such a young quarterback. I think he's still going to have a pretty decent overall season, especially fantasy-wise. I know we talked about that in our previous episode. But overall, I just think that the, the Broncos are not going to be as bad as a lot of people are kind of expecting them to be. Yeah, call me crazy. I mean, this team, before Von Miller went down with the season-ending injury, I honestly had them on the cusp of making the playoff or make, sorry, making the playoffs, but barely. And now 
just because of that one injury. I have him going four and 12, but that's just how dominant Von Miller is and how much he means to this team. Because now I think that they'll be playing from behind a lot. And Vic Vangio is known to be a run first coach. And I mean, I, I expect Drew Locke to have a big season just because of what he did last season, going four and one as a starter. And I mean, the weapons he, he, he got this off season, uh, which I'll listen a bit is going to be crazy, but yeah, I just playing from behind is not going to be their, their style to play from. And that's why I have them at four and 12. Um, but their additions, I mean, on offense, Melvin Gordon, Jerry, Judy, KJ Hamler, and then Graham Glasgow, uh, on defense, Jarrell Casey and AJ Boye, who is Chris Harris's replacement. I mean, I had high hopes for this team, but also when you look at their schedule, third hardest schedule in the NFL. So not, doesn't really work for uh, Drew Locke's favor, but um, I'm hoping they prove me wrong still. Even though Von Miller went down, I'm hoping they prove me wrong, but I just can't see it happening. Yeah, after I saw that clip of him uh, bopping his head to, uh, to Young Jeezy, <laughs> yeah, to Young Jeezy, <laughs> yo, I was like, yo, this this guy's gonna have a lot of fun on this team uh, going forward. Maybe not this year, but you know, I'm I'm interested to see him because he seems like he's. He's hyped for sure. Same. I drafted him in one of my fantasy leagues, so that means I was intrigued by him, but we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move on with the Chiefs. We got the Super Bowl defending champs. Went 12 and 4 last season, won the division. I actually have them going 12 and 4 again and winning the division this year. What about you, Corey? I have them winning the division, um, but I think that they're going to take a little bit of a slide, if you will, but not that much. I just think that they'll come up and be a 10 and 6 this year, which is not, you know, crazy or bad or anything but I don't know man we've seen those teams that when they get to the Super Bowl the following season it's either like a complete drastic totally different story or the team kind of goes through those ups and downs and I don't think that it'll be like night and day from Super Bowl season to this year but you will definitely see a significant well not a significant drop off but it will be It'll be different. I, I just don't – because you look at their schedule, and their schedule is loaded. They got a lot of primetime games, as, you know, we kind of expect with them being the defending champs. So they're going to have a lot a lot of different uh, opponents and tough opponents that they're going to be facing throughout the course of this season. So everybody's going to get their opportunity to go up against the champs and get their opportunity to try and knock them off a bit. Yeah, I'm. I mean, this is the same team coming back. Really didn't lose anyone significant. I mean, I guess you could say Damian Williams, but um, that that from the progression that you expect the team have having the same exact team going into the following season. That's why I kind of have them being stalemate and not taking the next step and having a better regular season. Um, so I think the main story going into the season is all eyes are on Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, who's their rookie first-round pick from LSU. Uh, Damien Williams opted out this season, which basically means they Chiefs gave the keys to the backfield to CEH. And um, this team, this team's the beat to beat to in, in the AFC. I mean, obviously, because they won the Super Bowl, but a lot of AFC teams are going to be coming out for blood for this Chiefs team just for the media to kind of stir it up and be like, oh, okay, maybe this team is actually good. If they beat the Chiefs, why could they not be contenders? You know what I'm saying? So everybody's going to be uh, quenching for blood against the Chiefs. Yeah, because they'll be the benchmark for pretty much everybody. And the one thing I'll say, though, is that the Chiefs, even when they're in a situation where they're down, they're never really out of it because we saw, like, they made that their bread and butter throughout the course of the, the previous uh, last year's postseason 
Like, even when they were down, like, they were down and they looked dead in the water against Houston. And then all of a sudden, this team, just a few games later, is in the Super Bowl and lifting up the Lombardi. So you want to talk about, like, a crazy, crazy uh, postseason and what looked like a very significant offseason. I don't know, man. I just think that, like, they went out and they made sure they secured their guy, Patrick Mahomes. They made sure that they um, were not going to allow him to pretty much, you know, have even the thought of walking away. But overall, man, the pressure is on. The pressure is on because not just the fact that they're the champs, but you got paid that crazy amount of money and COVID or not, media is going to be media. So Mm -hmm. if he has a slow start or he's underperforming or he's not playing to that same video game type standard that we've seen out of Patrick Mahomes, just, you know, throwing crazy no-look passes, throwing left-hand passes, you know, doing all that crazy stuff that we saw out of him a season ago, if he's kind of like slumping a little bit, media is going to be making their narratives. They're going to be making their stories. And I wouldn't be surprised if people come out with that hot, hot, hot take and say that like maybe Kansas City doesn't make the playoffs or something like that, which I think – I don't know. I just don't see it happening, but we never know. Injuries can happen. Maybe somebody decides that, you know, that 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 they just can't go anymore or whatever. But, you know, it'll be crazy for sure because Kansas City is, is right after the season they win the Super Bowl, then a pandemic hits. It's kind of it's just like, damn, like, that's crazy. A lot of hypotheticals from the Chiefs with the glory. We'll see what happens. All right, let's talk about the Raiders. Seven and nine last season, third in the division. I actually have him going four and twelve this year, finishing third. Um, Corey, what about you? Got him going eight and eight. I think uh, Gruden slowly but surely um, is going to use what he has. And on paper, it doesn't look like much. I'll be honest with you. Derek Carr, Marcus Mariota, um, defensively, they look somewhat okay. Like they're, you, you see the building blocks, and you see what they're trying to do. Um, maybe they're trying to be more of a defensive team, defensive oriented, but overall, I think that, uh, offensively is where they're kind of lacking, but I think that in order to keep pace with their other competition with, uh, the other teams in their division, they're going to have to find ways to win games. And we've seen in the NFL where there's just those crazy games where, it's kind of like up in the air, a toss up. And with them, you know, this will be the first season where they're going to be officially moving on to Vegas. So we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. Yeah. I mean, this is, like you said, their first season in Vegas. So maybe I'm being a little harsh. I, maybe the new environment could force two more wins out of them. I think maybe <laughs> go to six and 10, but I doubt it. Um, I, I do expect an uptake in offense from uh this team they got a receiving core of tyrell williams who is injured um hunter renfro i think is going to have a good sophomore year and then henry ruggs coming in i think is very underrated and then brian edwards a guy who we don't talk about who was also a rookie and then obviously darren wallace um but for you saying their defense is good i'm actually the opposite i think their defense is still very 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 sus uh especially in such a strong offensive division where you have uh, teams like the Chiefs, the Broncos, the Chargers that can are, are so versatile and can really beat you in any way on the offensive end. And again, just like the, the the Broncos, they have the fourth toughest schedule in the season. So that's why I see the Raiders uh, not doing so well this season and going four and twelve. But I wouldn't be surprised if they prove me wrong. 
that's what they pretty much made, made their money off of. Like the Raiders, I think like uh, like the past few years, a lot of people thought that they would be basement dwellers as far as like one of the worst teams and be like up there as far as like a top pick. But they, hey, they were able to go seven and nine last year. Surprise, surprise. I, I didn't expect that. Yeah, this will be a, a real make or break season for Derek Carr to see if he is the quarterback they want to ride with. All right, let's move on. We got the Chargers. Finished five and eleven last season, last in the division. I have them going five and eleven again, but second in the division just because I have the other two going four and twelve. Uh, what are your predictions for this team? Um, I'm gonna go ten and six. They're gonna be right up there with the the Chiefs. I think that, uh, and that's only if, and I know this is a big if, but if they rock out, I feel like with Tyrod Taylor, I think right now he gives them the best opportunity to win games, which. I know a lot of people obviously want to see what you have in Justin Herbert. You spent, you know, a top pick on him, and he's your quarterback of the future. But we've seen it with certain quarterbacks, like the guy that's in this division in Patrick Mahomes. Certain quarterbacks benefit from just taking a year off. And if this was – and if ever this was the year to, quote, unquote, take a year off, I feel like this would be a great learning year for Justin Herbert instead of just – I know, like – you're, you're, you're more likely to learn on the field and making mistakes right away. But we talk about it, like, as far as, like, with the confidence thing with Sam Darnold, uh, throwing guys right into the fire, throwing guys right into the press uh, and, and, and allowing them to pretty much have to be the face of the franchise literally right after they got drafted, that can be a tough time. And you want to make sure that you're pretty much having a balance of, nurturing and making sure that you're not babying your potential franchise quarterback. And I think Tyrod Taylor has been a proven starter in this, uh, in this league. Um, I felt like he kind of got the short end of the stick when he was in Cleveland, but I mean, when he went down, Baker Mayfield got his opportunity and he never really surrendered it back. But I feel like Tyrod, um, whether it's being a backup or whether it's being a starter, I think he, gives them the better the best opportunity and then people forget like this team was within a chance of beating the Patriots and a lot of people thought they would beat the Patriots a couple of years ago when they made it to the playoffs unsurprisingly they didn't because you know Patriots were the Patriots back then but I just think that the drop-off is not as heavy as a lot of people are expecting and I think that this could be a very surprising year for the Chargers but I, I have to keep in mind this is the Chargers that we're talking about so it could be – I could have the numbers right, you know, 10 and 6, but it could be the opposite way and be 6 and 10. So I, I kind of have them like the Miami, Miami Dolphins. I think they're, this is going to be their last rebuild year, and then they're going to take that big step that the next year that they kind of were like you were talking about when they played the Patriots in the divisional round. I think they're going to go back to that next year potentially just because, again, the QB is just – that QB spot is such a big wild card right now. I mean, Tyrod's going to – I think he's going to he's going to start the season and the whole question is is do you want to start Herbert right now or do you want to sit him like you were talking about um but since you pretty much already covered the offense I, I want to talk about their defense I mean one of the best defensive lines in the NFL and the secondary would have been one of the best too had Derwin James been healthy but that is the biggest thing for me and this Chargers team is their durability is always a question always a question and it starts with their offensive line and if Herbert eventually takes over or even Tyrod Taylor as such a scrambling quarterback he'll need a lot of help from this offensive line but I, 
we've seen it year after year. This offensive line has been getting injured. They brought in Brian Balaga, so we'll see how that works. But I see this team, uh, I, I see this season as a test season with the quarterbacks, and then maybe next season they take that big step into being contenders. All right, let's move on to the AFC North. We got my Ravens finished 14 and two last year, best record in the NFL. And in, uh, I have them going 12 and four, first in the division, but I have them going 12 and four. Corey, what are yours? You're going to hate me, Kush. Uh, I got them missing the playoffs. I got them going eight and eight this year. Uh, I know a lot of people are excited to see Lamar Jackson go off yet again. They're excited to see what this team does, but. I feel like that playoff game really rattled them. I feel like a lot of people are not talking about the mental side of this, the mental side of not having a real offseason to be able to, um, or a preseason really, to be able to get their team together. And, you know, obviously barring, you know, injury or barring, you know, any midseason trades or anything, I just don't know if this is going to be the same team with the same quarterback that popped off last year. Because we saw, like, he had an amazing start as far as when he first made his presence felt his rookie year. Then his second year obviously goes off on the cover of Madden now. I don't know. I'm just getting Madden cursed vibes with this team. I'm not, I don't want to, you know, put it out there, but I'm just feeling like a I Madden mean, could you Could you come. say Patrick Mahomes beat the curse? I mean, yeah, he did get true, injured, but he won true, a Super Bowl. True, true, that is true. But I don't know. I just feel like this is not going to be it. And I feel like usually we see like a, a team that made the playoffs a year ago bows out the following year. And I feel like the Ravens, this might be a hot take. I feel like they might be that team that they might not make it into the postseason this year. All bias aside, I think you're crazy. I know. I know. I think a lot of NFL fans will think you're crazy for that. I know. I know. Um, but I, I mean, I have them going 12 and four, not as good as last year because this team had a lot of additions and a lot of losses. But I, I think, in my opinion, they kind of leveled out. I mean, you look at the additions Calais freaking Campbell. I think mm-hmm. one, one of the best defense alignment in the league. Uh, you got Derek Wolf, you got DJ Fluker, you drafted Patrick Queen and J.K. Dobbins. The yeah. losses, their biggest loss is probably Marshall Yonda on the offensive line. And then you lost Michael Pierce, Earl Thomas, Hayden Hurst. I think it's going to be interesting to see throughout the season how defenses or to see if defenses stack the box against this offense just because they're such a run heavy offense and kind of force Lamar Jackson to pass the ball, which a lot of people knock him for passing, which I get it. He's not an elite passer, but he's not a bad passer. He can get the no, job done when he needs to. Um, he won the highest before a reason. So, I mean, and and MVP. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he led the league last year in passing touchdowns, but a lot of people will still yeah, find no a way one, to yeah, knock no him. One says, yeah, no one mentions that. But I, I do expect a big leap from second-year player Hollywood Brown. We talked about in our fantasy episode. I'm really, really in love with this dude uh, just because of what he brings to the table as a wide receiver. And I think him and Lamar Jackson spent a lot of time in the offseason trying to build that rapport with one another. Mm-hmm. Um, my biggest thing is obviously I have them making the playoffs. Mm-hmm. is Greg Roman. Greg Roman is such a such a good offensive coordinator during the regular season. Come playoff time, he just folds. We saw it against the Chargers. Didn't trust Lamar Jackson at all against the Chargers until the fourth quarter, and Lamar Jackson showed it, but it was too little too late. Then this last year, he trusted Lamar Jackson a little too much. I mean, you're running the ball. You broke the record for most rushing yards in a season. Uh, broke 
uh, averaged 200 rushing yards and 200 passing yards last season, but yet you want to make him throw 50 times in a, in a game that you're down by two scores. Like I get it, but at the same time, go with what, what got you there in the first place. So I think with Greg Roman, he really needs to break that wall of getting the, getting the Ravens to the next round with their offense. Cause I think their defense will hold up, uh, but their offense is obviously the biggest question come playoffs and that's on Greg Roman. So if Greg Roman can break that wall, that's kind of holding him back from moving on, then I expect the Ravens to do big things this season. And I think they will. All right, moving on to the Bengals two and 14 last year, got the first pick in the draft and uh, drafted Joe Burrow. I have him still going four and 12 this season last in the division. Where do you have him, Corey? Exactly four and 12. I think that uh, Joe Burrow is going to gain, bring some excitement to Cincinnati, but I'm just overall, I think the team just obviously they kind of are who they are. Um, obviously they have, you know, Joe Mixon, but I just, I just think Joe Burrow is the biggest thing obviously for a rookie is being able to decipher the difference between college and pro. And I think obviously with the lack of weapons that he has, that with all the weapons he had at LSU, he had so much that he could work with that I think he made, and he'll even attest to this. He made some, some, some bad throws and he made some bad reads, but he got away with it because he had a lot of good talent around him this year. He can't make those same bad reads or those same bad throws because it's going to be turnovers. And I feel like he might get a little too cute, try to, you know, try a little different, uh, maybe try, you know, force it in there a little bit too much. But overall, I think that he's going to show promise. But I just don't think that uh, in this division, with all the different teams that they're competing against, that they're going to really make any noise. And I just think that they're just not that good this year. Uh, I actually think that he kind of – goes to a team that has similar weapons that he had in LSU, given the offensive weapons he had around him. Um, I mean, the Burrow era and since he has started, I have high hopes for him, considering, like I said, the receiving core he has around him and the running back group. I mean, A.J. Green is potential Hall of Famer, but he's still on a make-or-break year in terms of contracts. John Ross, a guy who broke the 40-time in combine history, is on a make-or-break season as well. And then you have Tyler Boyd, who had a 1,000-yard receiving last year, and then Auden Tate, who was very under the radar last year. He just has weapons on weapons on weapons. And then Joe Mixon and Giovanni Bernard in the backfield as well. My only thing is, he's in the AFC North arguably the toughest division in the AFC, in my opinion, with three potential playoff teams. Um, and I think, unfortunately, for Joe Burrow and the Bengals team, the the shortened training camp and the cancellation of the preseason is going to affect him largely, and uh, especially with Zach Taylor, too, only getting, going into his second year as well. And I think it's going to affect them probably the most out of any team in the league. Um, so that's why I have him going 4-12. and 12 and but But I do have high hopes and high expectations for Joe, Joe Burrow. Yeah, did you see Giovanni Bernard <laughs> when they released the, the team photo? This dude's sporting out the mustache. You know, looks like Super Mario. I actually it's have crazy. not seen it. I'm going to have to check crazy. that out. That's funny. Crazy. All right, let's move on to the Browns. 6-10 and 10 last season, third in the division. All the hype they had last season. This season, this offseason, they've been awfully quiet. And, uh, I well, they were awfully quiet until, <laughs> until <laughs> we'll talk about that but 
<laughs> I still have him going 11 and five, and I have him going winning or going second in the division. Corey, what is your predictions for these guys? I got them going nine and seven, second in the division. And I don't know. I guess I was feeling hopeful for the Browns, and I was thinking, like, wow, I mean, this team is keeping it low key, keeping it quiet. Baker Mayfield shutting his mouth. He's all business. He's trying to focus on being a better leader. I know, obviously, the biggest concern, I think, with this team is the fact that new, new coach, third coach for Baker Mayfield in his third season. So, I mean, we talk about the fact that, like, you know, Sam Darnold's entering his third season, but at least, like, with Baker, he's shown a little bit more flashes. Obviously, you know, Baker's had a little bit more talent around him to utilize, and I would say maybe better coaching in a better situation. But overall, I just think that um, that is going to be the key, how they adjust into the new system and how they're able to gel with each other. And one of those key players that Baker is going to need to be heavily, um, that he needs to be focused this year is uh, Odell Beckham Jr. (laughs) But, I mean, (laughs) by all accounts, (laughs) we don't know how focused Odell is this season. Mm, We don't know which Brown he's focused on. (laughs) We'll just say that. Oh my god. I mean you, you can't you can't fault the Browns just can't because it wasn't it wasn't their fault that that came out. It was a third party that of came. Course, we don't even know if course. it's true but or it's not. But it's like it's so typical Browns like everything's going good, everything's right. And I wouldn't, days but I before the season kicks off, this news comes out about Odell and it's like, "Oh my gosh." I wouldn't be surprised if someone like the Ravens paid that that chick to say what she said and if you guys didn't if you guys if you guys don't know what we're talking about just uh look up obj and i'm pretty sure it'll just pop up right then and there um but about this team back to football a lot of additions on this offense jack conklin jedrick wills austin hooper brand new head coach like you said and kevin stefanski but the defense took a big hit losing joe uh schobert and Christian Kirksey left for free agency. And then you have guys like Mac Wilson and Grant Delpit who are suffered season ending injuries. And, and on offense, this, they just have multiple duos on their offensive skill positions. So re- receiver Odell and Jarvis Landry running back, Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, tight end, Austin Hooper, David Njoku. So, I mean, there's no reason this offense should have shouldn't flourish. And I, this is truly a make or break season for Baker Mayfield, because if he can't get the job done with all these weapons around him, I don't think he's the answer. I think we have to add another name to the Browns quarterback jersey list. Oh, my gosh. The endless names. The endless amount of names. Yep. All right, let's move on. Steelers went 8-8 eight and eight last season, just missed the playoffs with no quarterback. This year, I have them going 9-7, and seven, third in the division. Corey, where do you have them? I have them at the top. Um, I think the, the key for them, obviously, and this is probably the biggest if, but – this is pretty much what the, the the difference I think from them having a middle of the road year in last year and them being one of the best teams in this division. I think all they needed was, like you said, to have a quarterback. And I know he's not everybody's favorite name. I know he's not the sexiest quarterback name out there. But if Ben Roethlisberger, I mean, he's the real only option that they have at this point in time as far as you know, c- competent quarterback play. If he's just able to stay healthy, which has been the biggest what if of his entire career, especially at this stage of his career, this dude, I think, is a potential comeback player of the year. And I think that this 
team with the defense that they possess is by far going to be the difference maker from them either missing the playoffs or being able to either slot in as a wild card team or being able to take this division. And I just think that the experience of both Roethlisberger and Tomlin, two of the that combination now is probably the most experienced in this entire division and in this maybe even this entire uh, AFC. So I think that not a lot of people are talking about the the Steelers, and for good reason. I mean, like they're not looking all that great on paper, especially when you think about like you're still going to have difficulty maybe freeing up Juju Smith-Schuster, who was getting double teamed to death last year and really couldn't free himself up to be able to hop like he did. I mean, not all his fault. He didn't really have a quarterback that was able to get him get him the ball. But also James Conner needs a real bounce back year because he really kind of didn't have the – he didn't live up to the expectations of, you know, filling in those boots of Le'Veon Bell, who, I mean, you know, I'm not trying to compare, you know, that's like apples to oranges. But at the same time, I think that as long as the value is still there, as long as he's still being able to – uh, and even if they decide maybe that even, hey, let's go running back by committee. We don't have to put all this stress on James Conner's legs. They can maybe even think about doing that. But I think that the the Steelers, I think Mike Tomlin right now has the opportunity to really show off. He showed me a lot last season with, as far as coaching and almost giving them the postseason, which still I don't think a lot of people gave him a whole lot of credit for. But this year, I think if he's able, like I said, Big Ben stays healthy. And for the most part, this defense is able to stay healthy. They can have a really big time year in this AFC North. I think Big Ben just has to be half of what he's known. He doesn't even have to be like the star guy. Yeah, if he's just half of what he is, I think he'll give the Steelers a chance to win. Just because I think, like you said, Juju Smith might get the ball more. Um, They brought in more options with Eric Ebron and Chase Claypool, who I'm also high on in terms of draft value pick. I think I actually think Chase Claypool is going to have a big impact on this offense, given the chance. And even if it's not this year, then next year. Um, And uh, I think it's going to open up the running game as well for James Conner. And then they also brought in Anthony McFarland as well. But like you mentioned, this defense is so underrated. You look at Joe Hayden, written off by the Browns, written off by the NFL, comes into Pittsburgh, and he basically revitalizes his career. The trade for Minka Fitzpatrick, which was amazing, and then <laughs> Devin Bush, TJ Watt, and then Cameron Hayward, who, in my opinion, could be the best interior defensive lineman if it wasn't for Aaron Donald. Mm-hmm. So that's why I think he gets overlooked a lot. But s- similar to the Ravens and, like, the Packers and the Saints, like – the coaching is very similar. Even if their rosters isn't amazing on paper, they will still find a way to compete and push for a playoff spot, which you saw last year. So that's why I have the Steelers making the playoffs um, at nine and seven. All right, let's move on to the AFC South. We have the Texans finished 10 and six last season, won the division. I'm going eight and eight this year, third in the division. What about you, Corey? I'm going to do you one better. Uh, I'm going to have them go nine and seven coming in second. And I've got, three teams all finishing nine and seven in this division, which is going to be crazy. I feel like this AFC South is going to be bumper to bumper, obviously for, you know, minus one team that we'll get into a little bit later, but um, the Texans, obviously the big story, no D hop gone off to uh, Arizona. But one of the things that I'm looking forward to about the Texans is Deshaun Watson. I mean, 
this is his opportunity to have that Russell Wilson type of moment. And we've seen countless times where Russell Wilson, no matter who he had around him, no matter if he had an offensive line or not, Russell Wilson just found a way to get his team into the postseason or in that conversation to get into the postseason. And I think Deshaun Watson has to be able to do the exact same thing here, especially after receiving that heavy, heavy payday. Yeah, I am right there with you. And But my, my thing is Deshaun Watson's really gotten better at every single season, kind of like Russell Wilson has as well. So that's a great comparison you made. And obviously the trade of DeAndre Hopkins is a big story and then getting David Johnson and then getting Brandon Cooks in another trade. So I think the receiving core, who's going to really help out Deshaun Watson from the receivers? Is it Brandon Cooks, Will Fuller, Kenny Stills, or other guys? Um, and then David Johnson, can he stay healthy? Can he return to his all-pro form in 2016? Um, if he does, this team could do damage in the AFC South, but I, I don't see it happening. That's why I have him going 8-8. Eight and eight. All right, let's move on to the Colts. Seven and nine last season, third in the division. I have them going eight and eight, like the Texans, by having the tiebreaker over them and second in the division. What's your prediction, Corey? I have the Colts finishing nine and seven, owning the tiebreaker uh, amongst them and the Titans, and they're going to be at the top spot for me in this division. I think that a lot of people kind of written off the whole Phillip Rivers, but Jacoby Brissett was able to get this team to seven and nine, which you want to talk about a season which is, I think, the ultimate what-if for the Colts last year because I'm still, to this day, wondering what if Andrew Luck was suiting up as quarterback for the Indianapolis Colts last season. It could have been a really special year for them. I had them going to the Super Bowl with Andrew Luck still in play. But obviously, you know, uh, things happen and things change. But I think that. Phillip Rivers, obviously not mobile. Obviously, he just chucks stuff up a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. We know that, uh, especially Charger fans know that for sure. But I think that he gives them a different opportunity and he gives them a better chance of winning games than Jacoby Brissett, who it's not no knock on Jacoby. He might even still get an opportunity when maybe like, Rivers maybe goes down or something like that happens or, you know, anything that can happen is at least you still have your Kobe Brissett in your back pocket as the Colts, who now has had that experience of being a starter. So I think overall the Colts are in a really good position because you can't really say the same thing if Sean Watson goes down, if you're the Texans. You can't really say the same thing if Ryan Tannehill goes down, if you're the Titans. At least with the Colts, they still have that guy in their back burner if need be, and he can come on and still do a good job. And I think overall, one of the biggest concerns is just the health of T.Y. Hilton and whether or not this defense can be able to slow down uh, some of the uh, opponents that they're going to be facing throughout the course of the year. Yeah, I think the big story, like you said, signing of Phillip Rivers, but I think this time he has the best offensive line in the league protecting protecting him he doesn't have Trent Scott at left tackle protecting him anymore so I think he's very very happy about that and then Jonathan Taylor the guy they moved up to draft and I'm guessing that's because they believe that Marlon Mack and Naeem Hines are not the answer so that speaks volume to what they think about uh Jonathan Taylor and uh I I think that T.Y. Hilton yes being healthy I think Paris Campbell is gonna take the next steps because we know uh 
Philip Rivers loves his slot receivers. He loves Keenan Allen in uh San or not even I almost said San Diego in LA. Well, he was in San Diego for majority of the time, so I'm gonna say San Diego. <laughs> but um, and then he they brought in a big target in Michael Pittman, and then a lot of a, a big trade that goes under the radar is them trading their first round pick for DeForest Buckner. So really helped that interior D line that I think um will help the Colts. But I just think they're in such a tough division that they're gonna go eight and eight. Uh, let's move on. We got the Jaguars went six and 10 last season, finished last in the division. I have them going one in 15 fourth in the division. What about you, Corey? Might be a surprise for a lot of people, but I don't know. I think Minchu mania, Minchu mania. He still might have it. He still might have that. No, no, no. Tim Tebow esque magic. It might be Minchu time, but nah, I think that, uh, I think they'll go five and 11. But I just, I just, obviously, they're in a position where they're going full rebuild. They completely gutted their team with cutting Leonard Fournette. That was pretty much the nail in the coffin for a team in which you blinked and they went from competing against the Patriots in an AFC championship game, just maybe one possession maybe being the difference maker from them going to the Super Bowl. And unfortunately, they couldn't get the job done to now, just three years later, everybody who was a key factor on that team, gone. And it's like, wow, what a difference just a couple of seasons makes. And now they're in full rebuild. They're relying on Garnum Michu. A lot of pressure is going to be on his shoulders. But I don't know, man. I, I think that they're going to run into those games where, you know, it's going to be tank bowl <laughs> like a lot of people expect it to be. And instead of losing, they might pull out a couple of wins. I think, first of all, I as, as much as I'm disrespecting them, making them go in one in 15, I do want to give them a shout out for having a very, very underrated draft. Getting C.J. Henderson, getting Caleb on chase on and getting LaVisca Chenault. But I just think all those guys are going to be good for next year. This is going to be a big learning curve for them this year, getting adjusted to the NFL. Next year, they'll be ready to go. Um, and I do believe that they'll be taking for Trevor Lawrence this season. And uh, <laughs> th- this team will be able to compete with divisions, not this season, but next season. But it's just crazy to me how two years ago, these guys were in the conference championship, and now they might be getting the number one pick. So <laughs> it's just crazy how times change. And I, I think – like you said, cutting Fournette was the ultimate nail on the coffin because it made absolutely no sense. Like this guy, you can just let him walk in free agency next year, but you chose to cut him. Um, and then yeah, they, and they said that they couldn't get nothing that they exactly wanted for him. And I'm just thinking, like, really? Not even a seventh. I'm like, like yo, are crazy. you serious? Not even like a compensatory. Thing? And then, and then, not even that. The fact that Fournette cleared waivers as well, too. So it was just a real head scratcher. Maybe something that we don't know. And then uh, I think. Uh, this might come as a surprise, but I think Devontae Freeman might sign with them. He visited them. Uh, no deal was done when he was left, but I think they might hit him back up or he might hit them back up and um, get a contract done. All right, let's move on. We got the Titans, 9-7 last season, second in the division. Wild card team surprised everybody in the playoffs. Um, I actually have him going 11-5 and and winning the division. Corey, what about you? Got him going 9-7 and yet again. Um, I think uh, one of the things is can they build off of that success that they had last year? Um, 
obviously um, they got a little bit more tread on their tires, especially at the running back position. And they had such good seasons that everybody got paid. I mean, Ryan Tannehill got paid. Derrick Henry got paid. And they even went out and got Jadavian Clowney, which I might be underselling them at 9-7 and after they made that huge signing. Um, But at the same time, I don't know. I guess I'm just – Still not all that convinced that this team is going to be as dominant as they were a year ago. I feel like, like I said, that Derrick Henry's got an extra year on his belt of of so much usage. I don't know if Ryan Tannehill is going to be able to have the same similar set of numbers and be able to produce on the same similar level that he did last year. I still have them making the playoffs, but I just think that a lot of people are expecting them to go above and beyond. I'm kind of still keeping them at where they were a year ago. And I think that they'll still be in that same nine and seven range. I think just because they bolstered up this pass rush, getting Jadavion Clowney and because they underratedly lost Jarrell Casey. Not a lot of people talked about that, but Jarrell Casey has been in Tennessee for his entire career and that he was a great player for them and they lost him. Then they go out and get Davion Clowney, who is a clear upgrade, and they got Big Beasley Jr. from uh, Atlanta. So I think bolstering up their pass rush is going to help them. My biggest thing is, outside of A.J. Brown, who's going to help Tannehill out? I mean, Corey Davis, first-rounder, hasn't panned out. Exactly. Um, and if uh, they get down, like we always mention, how are they going to be able to come back into the game? Right, and then uh, I think Jonu Smith is going to – this is going to be a big season for him. So I think I expect him to make that make or break year and take that step as a top tier tight end. But I, I think the Titans can do it. If uh, they, they, they ride on the coattails of Derrick Henry last season and Ryan Tannehill's under center and, you know, just kind of being a game manager doesn't have to make super flashy plays or put up the crazy numbers. I think the Titans can do some damage in the AFC. All right, let's move on to the NFC. We got the NFC East. Cowboys, they went 8-8 eight and eight last season, second in the division, missed the playoffs barely. I have them going 13-3, and three, first in the division. What about you, Corey? I have the Cowboys going 10-6 and six this year. Uh, I know there's a lot of high expectations with this team, and understandably so, but we still are forgetting that even though Dak has all these weapons to play with on the offensive end, and the defense did impress and did start to come around towards the second half of last season. This is still a new system that everybody has to kind of get acclimated to as far as Mark McCarthy's offense, which I think is going to be predominantly based off of Ezekiel Elliott. And it's probably going to be a lot more of handing the ball off to Zeke versus not fully putting the ball in Dak's hands a whole lot. I don't think you're going to see a whole lot of passing passing attempts or just like an air raid offense out of uh, Dak Prescott. I think that this is going to be Zeke's ball and you're pretty much going to have to pry it out of his cold, dead hands. If you kind of, you know, it's going to be like all hands on deck and they're going to be riding Zeke as much as possible. I think. I actually think the opposite. I think that they are going to air it out. Cause I mean, look at Dak Prescott, brand new head coach, brand new weapon in CD lamb and he's on a contract year. So, I mean, he already had a lot of weapons, and now you add those two to his arsenal. I legitimately think they could be the Chiefs of the NFC. 
I mean, so long as their coaching is up to par, but they have four easy games each season playing the football team, which is so weird to say, and the Giants twice a year. And uh, I think their biggest thing is defensively. They needed to get a lot better. They lost their top corner in Byron Jones, and uh, they struggled to boost their defense this offseason. I mean, they got Alden Smith, and if he plays anything like he played when he was on the 49ers, then that's dope. But I don't think he will. But I think the division should easily be the Cowboys. But then again, they are the Cowboys, so you never know. All right, let's move on. We got Giants, 4-12 and last season, third in the division. I'm going 3-13, and just staying at third in the division. What about you, Corey? I actually think that Danny Dimes and the New York football Giants are going to hop up a little bit, and they're going to go to 6-10, and finishing second in the division this year. I think that this is a very watered-down NFC East outside of the Cowboys and maybe the Philadelphia Eagles, but I'm just not feeling the Eagles this year. I think that uh, the whole interesting thing, I think as far as with the giants is obviously you got Saquon Barkley and you got uh, Daniel Jones, and this is going to be a very interesting year. We see out of Daniel Jones to see whether or not he is improving to see whether or not he's progressing or, and see whether or not how close is he to being in that consideration of finally being able to lead this team into uh, a chance at, you know, actually competing and trying to get into the playoffs. I think Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley are going to be the future of this franchise, but I still don't think they're ready yet. Um, And it's not really their fault. I think it's because their offensive line is so, so bad. Um, you look at their wide receivers, though. I mean, they have a trio of small, quick wide receivers in Golden Tate, Darius Slayton, and uh, Sterling Shepard. Defensively, their D-line is solid, but other than that, it raises a gigantic red flag for me. So I, I just don't see the Giants doing anything this year, and Joe Judge is entering his second season with this team. So it will be interesting to see if the Giants can upset some playoff teams because I think they have the potential to upset some playoff teams during the regular season, but I just don't think that uh, that them as a team are ready to compete yet. All right, next we got the Eagles nine and seven last season finished first in the division. I have them going 10 and six this year, second in the division. What about you, Corey? I'm on the opposite end. I think that there's a lot of question marks as far as with this Eagles team, especially on the defensive side of the ball. I think one of the things that they kind of missed on on, uh, having the chance of doing was acquiring a Jamal Adams in that trade in which he landed in Seattle. And that was a big, a big kind of a loss for them, I feel. And still, yes, they are a good team. But one of the another concern on the offensive side is Carson Wentz, while I don't think he's overrated or I don't think he's uh, a terrible quarterback or a trash quarterback, there's questions on whether or not he can stay healthy. And then when you see a lot of times the wide receiving help that he has around him, I mean, yo, they drop so many balls. It's like, yo, how – I'd just be wondering how, if you're Carson Wentz, do you not just be cussing the living heck out of your wide receiving core every time that they're dropping a pass that you desperately need them to just hang on to? It's like, yo, 
I would just be grabbing a bottle of glue and literally throwing it onto the wide receiver's hands like, yo, catch the damn ball already. Yeah, I mean, more. I mean, luckily Nelson Aguilar isn't in Philadelphia anymore, so that's a huge plus for Carson Wentz. But no Alshon Jeffrey to start the season. He may not come back till week seven about. That's what I was reading. And Alshon Jeffrey, that guy's just made of glass. And that's why they made went out in the first round and got Jalen Rager uh, in the draft. And like you said, Carson Wentz, for me, my whole thing is can he stay healthy? Because we know he's a good quarterback. We know he could ball. And he almost had that MVP season before he tore his ACL. Yeah, but the thing, the thing is, can he stay healthy? Because he's a great quarterback, but only one healthy. So that's my biggest concern. And then on the defensive end, my biggest concern is their secondary. Lost Malcolm Jenkins. Lost Ronald Darby. I mean, they brought in Darius Slay. Um, but I truly believe, I said this when we were talking about Earl Thomas getting cut. I think they possibly bring in Earl Thomas because it's beneficial to your secondary. And not only that, you're not allowing a division rival to get a player like Earl Thomas as well. So outside of that though, I mean, their defense is exceptional at stopping the run. One of the best in the, in the league, but are horrific against the pass and in the division, when the Cowboys just bolstered up their pass offense, they'll definitely need a boost from that secondary. If they want any chance of winning the division or even just being successful in the playoffs. All right, last we got the Washington football team going 3-13 and last season, last in the division. This season, I am going 1-15, in fourth <laughs> in the division. What about you, Corey? Uh, I just think better coaching. I think that was uh, – and, and I think one of the things that also similar to the Jacksonville Jaguars is a lot of people are expecting them to obviously be in the hunt for a number one overall pick. Um, I have them going five and 11 just for, on the simple fact that I think that there's going to be a couple games where, like I said, with Jacksonville teams are going to definitely underestimate them. Teams are going to kind of be thrown off by that Washington football team name <laughs> for sure. But um, I kind of just want to see what Dwayne Haskins kind of does. And I want to see what this Washington offense looks like. Also want to see what uh, Chase Young looks like on the defensive side of the ball. Um, it should be, Really interesting, especially in year one with Ron Rivera at the helm. Um, already, we've seen a whole lot of different changes. The, the name is different. The uniforms are different. A um, couple of new faces are in there. Well, um, obviously, maybe uh, the inspiration of Alex Smith as a locker room guy, having him in the locker room now could also bolster high spirits as well, especially a young team like this. They're going to need leaders. And I think that um, even though he will probably more than likely not play this season. I think Alex Smith just having his presence felt is going to do wonders for Dwayne Haskins, I think, this season and also for that Washington football team going forward. Yeah, big story. Ron Rivera coming in. He's in charge now. But my whole thing is, can Dwayne Haskins get it done? I mean, he threw for 50 touchdowns in college, but I just don't see him with this team just because outside of Brandon Schrift, I just – this this O-line is terrible. I mean, they're <laughs> competing with the Giants for one of the worst O-lines in the league. And uh, outside of Scary Terry, this wide receiver group is terrible. Um, I think running back is also even just a big question mark, even though I, I think Antonio Gibson is the right answer. I think I'm very high on him. And defensively, I like their super young defensive line. I mean, you look at Chase Young, you look at Montez Sweat, you look at Payne. Uh, uh, and they bolster their secondary as well, too, getting Kendall Fuller, getting Ronald Darby. But 
I just think their offense is so bad that I really can't see them winning more than two games. I have my one one in fifteen, but I really just can't see them exceeding two games if they're lucky, just because this offense is so bad. All right, let's move on. NFC West, my favorite division this year. Uh, Cardinals, 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 Cardinals. I had they went five, ten, and one last season, last in the division. I have them going eleven and five this year, but still third for the division. What about you? Mm-hmm. I got them going ten and six, coming in and second place in the division. Um, I think uh, there's a lot of hype surrounding this team, and I think one of the dangers, though, is will they be like the Cleveland Browns? And you know, with all big off-season move, big trade, bringing in a nice, sexy wide receiver. Um, guy, uh, your your quarterback won Offensive Rookie of the Year last year, but will he have a sophomore slump this year? I think that's one of the biggest things. But I think the difference between Kyler Murray and Baker Mayfield, I think, is just the fact that it's not to say that Baker Mayfield isn't a playmaker, I just think that a lot of times he gets caught up in holding the ball a little bit too long. Whereas I think Kyler Murray, especially with his size, he understands that like, if I hold onto this ball too long, I'm going to get killed. So <laughs> I have to make a decision out there and either throw this away, uh, slide and, you know, just eat the sack or get out, get out of the pocket and make things happen with my legs. So I'm going to be very key to see what type of impact that young man has on this team. I'm curious to see what the defense looks like. I'm excited to see what Isaiah Simmons looks like. Uh, And I'm just really excited to see what this Arizona team is going to bring to the table in this really tough stacked division. Call me delusional, but I, I'm I'm super high on the Cardinals this year. I think they're going to kind of be the 49ers of last year. Not saying they're going to make the Super Bowl, but two years after having the number one pick, I think they make the playoffs this year. And uh, I think, you know, very convincingly. Um, I mean, we all talk about Kyler Murray getting DeAndre Hopkins, having Larry Fitzgerald, Christian Kirk, Andy Isabella. O-line is still a big question mark, but I think another offseason with this Cliff Kingsbury offense and Kyler Murray should be beneficial um, and I also think they finally have a legit running attack with Kenny Drake, Chase Edmonds, and then also a lot of people forget that they drafted Eno Benjamin out of Arizona State, who is very underrated. But defensively, Chandler Jones, still an absolute beast. Beefed up the linebacking court with, like you said, Isaiah Simmons, who was my favorite prospect in this draft. But they also got Devondre Campbell from Atlanta. And the secondary, so young. But throughout the season last year, they progressed at a fast rate. So I can see them taking that second step. I mean, they just paid Buda Baker big money. Byron uh, Murphy's uh, stepped it up big. So I think this defense is going to play a lot better than what people expect. And that's why I have them at 11-5 and five this year. All right, let's move on. We got the Rams. 9-7 and seven last season. Third in the division. I actually have them going 5-11. Fourth in the division. Dead last. What about you? Got them going eight and eight dead last as well. Um, I think this is going to be a make or break year for Mr. Jared Goff. I feel like a lot of hype came around um, when he got drafted. And yeah, obviously, Jeff Fisher wasn't all that great in handling him, and he didn't look that great in his initial uh, rookie season. But year two at McVay and also having some, you know, weapons around him. He popped and he looked great. 
But what do we always talk about as far as quarterbacks is like, how do you respond when teams know what you're comfortable doing, know what you like to do, know who your favorite target is, and they have so much tape on you. The more tape and the more games that you play is the more opportunity that you give your opponent to be able to scout scheme and understand you better as an opponent. So I think that uh, Jared Goff kind of more or less got exposed, and so did Sean McVay got exposed last year for not being able to be that creative offensive guru or that quarterback whisperer because I feel like uh, Jared Goff kind of had a regressed year and didn't really show that same impact that he had in the year where they went to the Super Bowl. But off of that, I think that it's a lot of pressure on the defense and a lot of pressure on even though he just got a bag and just got paid on Jalen Ramsey and a lot of pressure on um, Aaron Donald, a lot of pressure on Aaron Donald to make sure that they're – getting pressure on the quarterback and, and, and forcing turnovers because that's going to be the key thing. And I just think that this defense is more so made to keep offenses at bay and not really going to be heavily reliant on scoring and, and, and being somewhat like the Pittsburgh Steelers offense. I mean, defense was a year ago because they were generating turnovers and they were generating offense from the defense upside of the ball. And I just think that's a lot of pressure to put on your defense, especially for a Rams team that uh, has a lot of tread on them tires as far as uh, their team. And also not being able to, you know, just look at – they just lost a lot, I feel. And, and they're just not the same team that they were a couple of years ago. Yeah, I mean, I don't mean to do the Rams dirty. And I really hope they prove me wrong. But 5-11 and 11 is where I'm at. I mean, I just cannot trust my offense in the hands of Jared Goff. He has the weapons around him. And, but he's just such a big hit or miss. And I think he's the definition you. of a system quarterback. So that that's why Not I just – Not a stretch at all. Not a stretch at all. And defensively, I do like this team, though. But with a subpar offense in the toughest division in the NFL, and they can possibly lose all six division games, uh, and then you're playing the NFC South as well this season, too. So, I mean, I just don't see them – being successful this year. And I also I also forgot to mention this with the Chargers, but I think they might have the hard knocks curse as well too. Because uh, mm. ever since the Rams were on hard knocks in 2016, these have been the following records. 2016 Rams, 4-12. 2017 Bucks, 5-11. 2018 Browns, 7-8-1. 2019 Raiders, 7-9. So we'll see how the 2020 Rams and Chargers do, but all of those teams I just listed above missed the playoffs. Mm. So... Could we see a hard knocks curse? I don't know. Maybe it's a little stretch, but <laughs> hey, we'll see. Uh, let's move on. 49ers won the NFC last year, went 13 and three last season, finished first in division. I have them going 12 and four, second in the division. What about you, Corey? I have them going 11 and five. Um, and in their division, I only have them losing one game in the in the in their division. I feel like they feel like they got so close and I mean they got so close to being able to to taste the Super Bowl and being able to be back on top that they're going to feel a whole lot of motivation I feel like this year and one of those guys who should be feeling a lot of motivation and pressure on his shoulders is Jimmy G. Jimmy G is the key and I feel like that's going to be something that is going to be said throughout the course of this season as far as the San Francisco 49ers go. Can Jimmy Garoppolo, maybe not, he doesn't have to do too much, but he can't just 
try and manage games. He's going to have to go out and win a couple of them games if they're going to have this type of season that I'm expecting him to have. He's going to have to go out there and win some games. And I know, like, everybody talks about all the weapons that he had, but he did lose Emmanuel Sanders, who, yes, uh, is up there in age, but at the same time was a key weapon that they end up losing to another team in the NFC. So that was a big loss for them. But I think also you look at this defense, and I'm excited for Bosa, man. I'm excited to see what he brings to the table. I'm excited to see um, whether or not the the run game is still there as far as uh, San Francisco and just how they were able to pick apart teams last season. Are they going to still be able to do that? Is George Kittle going to still have that same level of impact? And there's just so many different questions that I have. But at the same time, I feel like they still pose a serious threat and still can potentially get to a Super Bowl. It's just a matter of are they going to be able to maintain or are they going to have a significant drop off to what we saw with the Atlanta Falcons? Did they have like that, you know, uh, are they going to be like one of those teams that gets to the Super Bowl and then the next year, similar to the Falcons Rams, they end up missing the playoffs. Well, I think last season they surprised everyone, even including myself. And I had them going to the wild card as well too at nine and seven, but you look at this team, they, they had some key losses, but they also had key additions, and I think they kind of canceled themselves out. You look at Joe Staley, their long left tackle that they had, but they brought in Trent Williams. Emmanuel Sanders, who they brought in midseason, who was a great success for them, but then they lost him, but now they brought in Brandon IU, the first-rounder uh, from Arizona State. And then you look at Matt Breida, they lost him to the Dolphins, and then they traded to Forrest Buckner, but then they drafted Javon Kinlaw. So I think – the, the losses and the additions of this team kind of offset each other, which is why I see them doing damage in the NFC again. Um, but I do have them finishing 12 and four second in the division because I have the Seahawks who went 11 and five last season, second in the division. I have them going 14 and two first in the division this year. Wow. What about you, Corey? Wow. I mean, I wouldn't be shocked, but I'm curious to see whether or not this Seahawks team is going to be living up to the expectations. And it's not to say that I don't expect them to not live up to the expectations. I still have them in the playoffs just because Russell Wilson is a great quarterback. And I feel like I feel confident in saying that they are going to be a a solid all around team this year. I think one of the biggest questions is their acquisition of Jamal Adams. And I just, wonder I don't want to say where is he going to fit in but I'm just curious to see how does he take his strengths and add it on to a defense that had so many different guys that helped them get into the playoffs last year how do they build off that momentum and I personally feel like it's it's going to be like a, a lot of different talking points and it might even be uh some drama in the locker room which is no nothing new as far as Seattle. Uh, but I don't know. I just, I'm just not expecting a whole lot of, of, of pop out of them this year. I think they go 9-7, and seven, which is not bad, but not crazy enough for them to, you know, take off and, and be up there with, you know, San Francisco or New Orleans or Tampa Bay or anything like that. But I think 9-7 and seven ends up getting them into the postseason. But, I mean, I don't know. I probably am going to eat those eat those words. I'm probably going to be wrong here, but I don't know. I'm, I'm just curious to see whether or not 
the personalities and Pete Carroll is going to be able to juggle them and do a better job than he did with Legion of Boom. So you're telling me a team that went 11 and five last year only got better is going to finish two games worse. <laughs> yeah, that's what I just got out of it. I don't know. I was just looking, I was looking at, I was looking at the games and I was looking at who I was feeling more confident uh, going with. And majority of the time I, I was just like, man, it's, I don't know. I was just thinking about the fact that there's just a lot of different personalities in this locker room. And I'm just wondering how are they going to be able to gel with one another? And between also, who though? I it's don't really know. just I'm Jamal Adams. I, I don't, I really don't see anybody else. Like I get if Richard Sherman was there or something, but I really yeah. don't see anybody else in this locker room who couldn't. That's why I said I could be wrong. I could be wrong because Seattle is always that, that make that, I don't want to say make or break team, but they're all, always that team to me that once they kind of got rid of the distractions and got rid of the the high-profile names, then that's when, you know, the majority of the pressure was obviously on Russell Wilson, but they were still able to make it into the postseason quietly, yes, and nobody expected them to do anything, yes, but they were still a deadly, dangerous team because of Russell Wilson. But overall, I don't know. I, I don't know, man. I just don't feel as confident as a lot of people – with this Seahawks team. Again, I might be crazy. I might be underselling them. But I don't know. I just I'm just not feeling all that I'm not feeling the same buzz about them like I am with the other two teams. And well, I think I think this division with between the 49ers and the Seahawks, they're going to give each other a run for their money. And I think the division title is a toss-up between both of them, but I ultimately have the Seahawks winning the division. Cuz I mean Russell Wilson, he actually finally has a good team around him. And you've seen what he's done in the past. When he has a good team around him, he got a Super Bowl win out of it and probably should have had a second one too if it wasn't for the pass on the first in goal or whatever it was. Um, But, I mean, let me tell you, when Russell Wilson has a good team, that's dangerous. That's his Twitter name, Dangerous Wilson. Of course. Of course. <laughs> um, but I mean, look, look, they have a nice receiver duo in Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf. They brought in Greg Olson to go alongside Will Disley when he, when he comes back. And that allows. Run game is him. sus. Run game is a little sus. I would definitely not say that because, I mean, you have Chris Carson, who was a thousand yard rusher last year. I mean, he does have problems taking care of the ball. But now you also brought in Carlos Hyde to help uh, Chris Carson as well, too. And then defensively, they got Jamal freaking Adams. Like, I, I add that. <laughs> He's like, enough said. He's like, like enough said. Don't add, say anything else. Add all of that to an 11-5 and five team. That's why I have him at 14-2. and two. All right, let's move on. NFC North. Bears, 8-8 eight and eight last season, finished third. I have him same exact, 8-8 eight and eight to finish third this season. What about you, Corey? I don't know, man. Uh, <laughs> got the Bears going five and eleven. I don't know. I was just, I don't know how this happened, but I have them going five and eleven because I was looking at the the games, and I was just looking at the fact that like they're in a division where obviously, I think the Packers are going to take it. The Minnesota got worse, yes, but I still think that they're going to give them problems. And I think my biggest question mark outside of, uh their quarterback is are they going to be able to, to, to score points and are they going to have to solely rely on their defense to score the points? And don't get me wrong. The defense is still good. Defense is still really, really, really good. But overall, I guess when you have 
that up in the air of quarterback with Nick Foles and Trubisky and you don't know obviously Trubisky now has been named the starter as of now starting week one but going forward when you have that competition as far as like you don't know who's going to be your guy and you brought in Nick Foles to kind of have as a security blanket but I'm going to have throughout the entire season Trubisky's just going to be looking over his shoulder looking at the bench and knowing at any point in time I'm going to get yanked at any point in time I could just be yanked I throw one bad pick or I throw or I make one bad decision or I make one bad read I'm out of there and then we don't even know if Nick Foles is still that same Nick Foles that was able to get the Eagles to a Super Bowl and win a Super Bowl. So I don't know. There's a lot of question marks as far as quarterback position, which I think, yes, I might be overvaluing that. But at the same time, I think it's not a stretch to say that this team will maybe fall under expectations and not be able to compete with the likes of the Packers this year. I mean, I can't blame you for having them going going five and eleven, but more than Mitchell Trubisky and Nick Foles, I think the biggest question mark for me is Matt Nagy. I mean, true, true. He, he got true. him to the playoffs. He had him looking like a Super Bowl contender. Then double doing happened, and then all of a sudden he <laughs> he hasn't been right since double. Doink. That's what I'm saying. Like he ha- he forgot at, how to coach. I keep looking at double doing, and you look at the face of Matt Nagy. That man was shook, and I think he's still. I mean, I would be to too. I, I mean, last off, last off season, he was literally watching Double Doink over and over and over. So you want to talk about having that in your head? I don't know, man. I don't know. I think that might have really wrecked his psyche. And I think he's still searching for how to, you know, shake that off. I mean, I don't blame him. I mean, if you look back at the – remember when Blair Walsh missed the gimme field goal? And he I was just, never the same kicker exactly. ever again. So, so I mean, yeah, maybe I, Matt Nagy I, might never be the same coach ever again. And he I think that's, I think that's why, I think that's why Matt Nagy's definitely going to be on the hot seat this year if they don't succeed to make the playoffs, which I think. And they if they won't definitely make. finish five and eleven, <laughs> yeah. Even if even if they finish eight and eight, where I have them, I don't have them making the playoffs. But I have them at eight and eight just because I think this defense is just so stellar. But I I hope they can finally be rewarded. But I just don't see Mitchell Trubisky or whether it's Nick Foles or Matt Nagy. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I just don't see them doing it. All right, let's move on. Lions, 3-12-1 last season, finished last in the division. I have them going 6-10, last in the division again. What about you? I don't know how this happened. I don't know how this happened. Again, I, 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 I'm just plugging in the games that I felt. And – Somehow, some way, it led to them somehow being nine and seven. I don't know how. I don't know how. I don't know how. But the thing that I think is a little bit of a stretch with this prediction is obviously I don't trust Matt Patricia. I don't trust uh, Matthew Stafford's health. But if Matthew Stafford is able to somehow stay healthy, if Matthew Stafford stays healthy, this team was in within a chance. I remember like a few years ago, he had them within a chance of maybe even pushing the Packers but they just weren't able to get the job done. But maybe it's because Patricia is a a product of Belichick, and I feel like they are going to be better than they were a couple of years ago and last season. I don't know. I I feel kind of as if Detroit is going to maybe with the, uh, the offensive weapons that they have, I think the question mark is obviously in the run game and their defense. But if those two are able to come together and be able to be solid for a majority of the season, 
nine and seven, I think, is not too bad of a stretch. Well, for, I think ever since Calvin Johnson left, I feel like this team has like kind of been <laughs> never been the same. In, yeah, they've like been in the eternal rebuild. I mean, they did get to the wild card twice since he left, but the last one was in 2016. And get this, they haven't won a division title since 1993. And I don't see that happen. Hey, I don't see it happening this year. I'm telling you right now. I, like, I don't, I'm I don't winning either. the division in my prediction. And I, win I have him. I have him finishing last. But like you said, Matt Stafford, I just feel so bad for this guy. I mean, either his team is just so ass or he just gets injured. He's so, <laughs> either like, one of the others. Yeah. Or both. <laughs> and I think I think their offense is it, it's starting to take shape. You can see with their wide receivers, you know, they brought in uh, DeAndre Swift as well. But I, I think in due time it will. And Matt Stanford is he even going to be the same in due time? It's like he doesn't, time is True. not on his side. And uh, defensively, they have a lot of guys that look good on paper, and I feel like they do most of the time. But come game time, I feel like they just fold. And it's like, wait, yeah. what happened to this defense that yeah. we all thought was going to be at least semi good? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But I think that's what I'm kind of banking on. Is I'm hoping that even though they didn't have a a, a real off season to be able to to get the defense right as far as with Matt Patricia being able to work with them uh, hands-on more. I don't know. I think that I'm just thinking of how he's a defensive coach, that it that has to mm-hmm. in some way mm-hmm. – has to somehow translate on the field. Like, you're a defensive coach. You're defensive-minded. Like, that has to somehow translate on the field somehow. I would understand if he was like a Matt Nagy or like a, a – like, like, like a quarterback whisperer in some way, and he was more an offensive head coach – and the defense was just trash and terrible and just, you know, below average. But this guy is supposed is made his hat and, and has made his name in the NFL off defense. So I'm like, that has to do something. That has to translate somehow as you as you now go from a defensive coordinator into being a head coaching job. But I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. I think you're talking about Matt Nagy uh, being on the hot seat. I think Matt Patricia is also on the hot seat if the Lions don't have – anywhere close to the season that I'm projecting them to have. Yeah, I can agree with that. I definitely think this team did get better this offseason, but I just don't think they got good enough nearly to compete. So that's why I'm at 6-10. and 10. Not quite. Next, we have the Packers, 13-3 and three last season, won the division. I have them winning the division again, but I have them going 11-5 and five this time. What about you? Hey, we agree on something. 11-5, <laughs> Green Bay. I got to go on 11-5 as well. So uh, I think this this is going to be a very much motivational year for Aaron Rodgers, especially the disrespect that he was obviously shown in the draft, waiting patiently, hoping and praying that he's able to get his hands on one of those wide receivers or one of those just any sort of offensive player to add on to what has been pretty much an okay to average offense for the most part as far as weapon-wise. And think one of the questions that you have to ask yourself is is Aaron Jones still going to have the same sort of value that he had last season is Aaron Rodgers still got enough in the tank to be able to lead this team and be able to 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 make do with what he has like he has been the past few seasons and even though nobody in the organization of Green Bay would dare say that this is Aaron Rodgers last season it kind of feels like this could be one of the very few times we see Aaron Rodgers kind of suit up with Green Bay. I'm right there with you for Aaron Rodgers it being a bounce back season and the disrespect he was uh, given in the draft. But to, to be honest with this team, 
even last year going 13 and three, I never considered this team a contender. Uh, just because I was I mean, just wondering was, how are they getting this done? <laughs> but I mean, they, they got to the conference championship, but my whole thing that I didn't think of them as a contender is just because their run defense was so, so bad. And, and we saw that and in we the saw conference it. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Most of it ran all over them. Um, and I think still running. <laughs> I, th- I think they'll, they'll be the same that they were last year. Maybe more chemistry will have come because they pretty much have the same team that they brought back. But uh, I think the NFC got a lot, lot better and competitive, which is why they kind of were stagnant. So that's why I have them going 11 and five rather than 13 and three, but still winning the division. All right. Last team in the NFC North, we got the Vikings, 10 and six last year. Second, making the wild card. I have them going nine and seven and finishing second. What about you, Corey? I'm going with seven and nine. Um, I think strictly because them losing digs, I'm not too heavy or too high on Kirk Cousins. Um, I'm curious to see what that defense is going to maintain, is going to still look like and can they be able to still you know go back and forth with the Packers because we know for sure like that those two are going to be the front runners to win that division um, in my opinion but I think the thing that's different between the Green Bay Packers and the there's two things I think that are different between those two uh, teams is that one has a good defense but the other one has Aaron Rodgers and at the end of the day I think that Aaron Rodgers he kind of trumps that defense just because of the fact that of how crafty he is and how he's able to just be able to get it done year in and year out for the most part. And if, if Minnesota is not able to make the playoffs this year, I don't think that really bodes well as far as the coaching situation. I feel like the Vikings are always just a weird team to me. Like on paper, they look good, but it's just something about them that they just can't seem to get over the hump. And this year, I actually had them missing the playoffs. Uh, like you said, lost Stefan Diggs. They drafted Justin Jefferson. Mm-hmm. Um, and on the defensive side, I think in Michael Pierce, which they brought over from the Ravens, I think if he was there this year, I think they could have had the best defensive line in the NFL. And I think that would have made them a playoff team. Because, But you look at Daniil Hunter, beast, but he has a neck injury. Not going to be back until earliest week four. Michael Pierce opted out this season, and then they just traded for Yannick Ngakwe from the Jaguars. So I think those three guys right there could have been in contention for the best defensive line. And you had that to that linebacking core and a nice secondary as well. They could have honestly been a top five defense in the league, but I just don't see this team. And then the whole thing with Dalvin Cook and his contract dispute, um, I think if Alvin Kamara ends up getting his contract and if Dalvin Cook kind of sees those numbers – Dalvin Cook could kind of threaten to not play until he gets a contract extension as well, too, especially when he sees Alvin Kamara's number, because I could see him asking for something around Alvin Kamara's uh, contract, just because if you pair up the statistics next to each other, Dalvin Cook is very similar, if not better statistically than Alvin Kamara. Yeah, they both got very similar play styles for sure. All right, let's move on to the last division, NFC South. Uh, start off with the Falcons, seven and nine last season, second in the division. I have them going eight and eight, third in the division. What about you? Got them going seven and nine again, third in the division. Um, I don't know. I, it's not. I don't know. There's not a lot for me to really say. I mean, they kind of are who they are. I mean, 
I like Calvin Ridley. I like Julio Jones. I like uh, Matt Ryan. But I don't know. I guess there's just not a whole lot there that I'm excited for as far as if I was a Falcons fan. I'm just like, okay, here we go again. Let's see what happens. Yeah, I mean, ever since that Super Bowl, they have not been the same. I mean, they haven't been terrible, but they also haven't been great. Like, even getting getting to the playoffs. I mean, and also just the division there makes it so tough for them to make it to the playoffs. Um, I think one of the things that was different, obviously, uh, is just the fact that Kyle Shanahan's not there. And, I mean, I'm not saying that, like, even if he was there, like, this team would be looking good on paper because they wouldn't. But – at the same time, when he was there, Matt Ryan had his best season of his career. Yeah. I mean, and you look at their their running back situation. They added Todd Gurley. They lost Devontae Freeman. Um, don't know if that really helps you. Uh, it <laughs> was a push. That's yeah. A push. They, they, they added Aiden, Hayden Hurst. They lost Austin Hooper. Don't know if that really helps you. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, this offseason was very questionable for the, the Falcons. I expect a big year from Calvin Ridley. Um, defensively added Dante Fowler, Marlon Davis, AJ Terrell, who I personally think is overrated. Um, and then they lost Vic Beasley and Devondre Campbell. I just don't think this team has enough to make it to the playoffs, but I, I do see them upsetting some teams in the division. I, I could oh, see yeah. them giving the Bucks and the Saints a run for their money, uh, each game, just because it's division rivalry and the Falcons still have the firepower to compete. Oh yeah. They're not going to back down from any of these teams for sure. All right, let's go with the Panthers next. Five and eleven last season, finished last in the division. Got them going one in fifteen, last in the division again. What about you, Corey? I guess I got them going five and eleven. Uh, just because I think it's more so. I, uh, I I don't know if you're being nice or I'm just being really harsh. I don't know <laughs> so which one like it things. is. I think I think the uh, the truth is probably somewhere in the middle. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but overall, I think that like the. The the one thing that I'm curious to see is what does Teddy Bridgewater kind of look like? Because, I mean, overall, I think this team is not that good on paper. I, I think that the the offense is okay at best, and I think that the defense has got a lot of holes in it. And, and I think that you're talking about an NFC South team, so I'm not expecting this team to, to shut anybody down. But overall, when you're competing with the likes of, like you just mentioned, the Falcons, and then we're going to get into the Saints and then the Bucks, you need that firepower. and You need some sort of offensive weaponry. And I think that right now, at this point in time, Panthers just don't have it. Yeah, I, I think Matt Rule era now, uh, Ron Rivera out, Matt Rule, and uh, I just don't think Teddy Two Gloves is the answer. I mean, they brought him in. It was just surprising. Three years they paid him. I, I thought it would have been more along the lines of like a one, maybe two years. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, three years, $63 million. So it's like, even if they do tank for Trevor, they still have this guy who they're paying for two more years. So it's going to be interesting. And I really like DJ Moore. I really like Ian Thomas and Christian McCaffrey. They're all young players that you can build around. But I just, I don't know if Teddy Two Gloves can get him the ball to be mm-hmm. honest and and I hate to say mm-hmm. it um and I think the tank for Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields is the answer for this season if you're a Panthers fan um I really like their defensive potential though this year I'm uh, not sorry not this year but in years to come just because what they did in the draft I thought was absolutely amazing on the defensive side getting Derek Brown getting Etor Grossmatos Jeremy Chin and Troy Pride Jr all of those I love those picks for the Panthers um but 
it's not for this year and it's for the future. So the Panthers do have a bright future to look for. Um, uh, just not this season. So, I mean, I won't be surprised if they win three or four games. I'm just really not that high on the Panthers. <laughs> so that's why I'm going one in 15. Right, let's move on. We got Saints 13 and three last season, first in the division. I have them going 12 and four, second in the division. What about you, Corey? Just one less. I'm going 11 and five on that. And I think that uh, this is, we say it every year. I mean, like the, the Saints have been kind of like on the clock of us waiting. When are they going to get back to the Super Bowl? Because it's like it seems every single year that we're waiting and waiting and waiting. And then we're going to look up and it's going to be like, wow, Drew Brees really could not get back to the Super Bowl <laughs> with all the talent and all he had around him. And it's like, whether it was, whether you blame it on the refs, whether you blame it on a bonehead place in the playoffs, whether you blame it on Minnesota Miracles. I mean, it's just crazy that the Saints have had these level of struggles year in and year out in the postseason. And we don't have to say anything about what this team is going to be in the regular season. We kind of already have an idea. Obviously, one of the big storylines is Alvin Kamara coming into this year, though, um, and whether whether or not that whole storyline will kind of trickle into the locker room. That could maybe be a potential this uh, decider of whether or not this team ends up finishing first and taking the division or having to play uh, an extra game in the postseason and having to suffer because of all the the drama in the locker room. So I think that that's a, a storyline that a lot of people got to pay attention to because it could trickle over onto the field. And that's one of the worst things as a team and as a coach that you fear could potentially happen. But the season is here and you kind of know how to just deal with it. 100%. I think season kind of depends on Alvin Kamara. I still do think they make the playoffs, but he's essential to their success. And if you look at their team, they really didn't lose anyone big. And if anything, they added Emmanuel Sanders, who I like a lot, drafted Cesar Ruiz in the first round, drafted Zach Bond, who I think is underrated. They And they brought in Janoris Jenkins and brought back Malcolm Jenkins. So, I mean, their secondary got better, in my opinion, too. And against a team like the Buccaneers that we're going to talk about, you definitely needed to bolster up that secondary and make sure they can kind of hold it down so let's talk about the Buccaneers now seven and nine last season third in the division I have them winning the division going 15 and one Corey what about you wow oh, wow that is amazing man uh I, I don't know I guess like I'm not I'm not one of these people that's like well, there's a lot of people who are saying that the Bucks might not even make the playoffs this year which you know has the potentiality of happening, but I'm not on that train at all. I think that they're going to finish second in the division. They're going to come in at 10 and six. The only reason I'm saying 10 and six is because it does take a while. I don't care how much talent you have in the room. I don't care how many guys you have. These guys just went through an overhaul of their roster as far as so many new faces, including at quarterback. And now they kind of all have to get used to playing with each other and with no preseason and with, minimal off-season workouts, it's kind of tough for me to really see for them to just straight out roll the ball out and be like, yeah, this is like the NBA and we're just about to dominate. But for me, I think, I mean, call me crazy going 15-1. and one. I, I personally think it's crazy myself, but somehow I convinced myself that they're going 15-1. and one. And actually, believe it or not, their one loss isn't to the Saints. I have them losing to the Falcons. So that that's their one loss on their season. Um, 
But I just, I mean, I said it before, this offense is a damn fantasy team. And I just think even though you haven't had time to mesh, these guys are so goddamn good. You talk about Mike Evans, you talk about Rob Gronkowski, you talk about Chris Godwin, Tom Brady, like, I hate to say it, but they don't need practice, like a, a, an a extra <laughs> amount sure. of practice. Like they, I feel but like we, they can. We don't they, need no practice. For that's, sure. what, that's what I'm saying. Like you guys, you can just roll out of bed. And I legitimately think these guys can win you a ball game. That, I mean, I, I could be super delusional right now and maybe off. I'm on the hype train a little too hard, but I just think that there's so many damn weapons in this lineup, not even including Leonard Fournette to this team mm-hmm. um and a lot of people forget they still have LaShawn McCoy old man LaShawn yeah. McCoy who yeah. never know but um I think a biggest thing for me is this offensive line I mean mm-hmm. maybe last year or two years ago we're talking about the worst offensive line in the NFL and all of a sudden they look good with uh, like in comparison to how they were last year defensively the defensive line is good linebackers are good um secondary i think is going to be their achilles heel very Mm. young and i just don't see any promise out of their secondary but i think their offense will more than make up for it and that's why i have them going 15 and 1 i think another also thing that i kind of have to consider is like the point that i made like as far as like with seattle and as far as maybe it being more so with the bucks than with seattle but like it's a lot of personalities in this locker room, man. And there's going to be a lot of guys on that offense that are going to want that ball in their hands. Rob Gronkowski, like you said, Chris Godwin, Mike Evans. Uh, but the thing with Gronkowski, I think if Tom Brady's there, he can kind of put him in check, like kind of control him just because of what he's been able – like the the rapport that they've had coming from – Oh, yeah. I'm not saying that, like, Rob is going to, you know, come crazy. I just right. think that, like – Fournette have, I can't like, see young, for sure, though. Fournette, yeah, you I have, like, see. young – you have young guys who – we just based it off last year are used to having the ball aired out to them at a high clip and are used to having a high amount of targets and a high amount of chances to be able to get into the end zone. Tom Brady, I'm not saying he can't throw the deep ball, but for all intents and purposes, he's not going to be throwing the deep ball a lot of the time. He's going to be making the safe dinking and dunking type plays and having a similar system. And when you bring in a guy like Tom Brady, I think it's a similar situation when you bring in a guy like LeBron James. You don't adapt. You don't force that player to adapt to your system. You adapt to that player. And I think that it's going to take some time for that team to sort of adapt to Tom Brady's system. And one of the beauties of this is, is we get to see Tom Brady sort of be a similar thing of Chris Paul uh, on coach, uh, on the field coach. So it's going to be, and maybe we see maybe even him in Arians clash. So that's just one of the early stages. I think that they're going to be at with the early season struggles. But once, like you said, when this team hits their stride, oh, it's going to be a real, real tough team to stop, especially come postseason time. Well, I think for an air raid team that Bruce Arians runs, I think that they are still going to rely on the run a lot. I mean, like I said, Leonard Fournette, LeSean McQuay, and then we don't even talk about Ronald Jones as well, too. So Rojo, these guys can hit you from whichever way that they want. All right, let's talk about our playoff pitchers. Let's just go over because we said the records, we said where they're going to finish, but let's like kind of give an outlook on the playoff pitchers. Start with the AFC. Um, first seed, I have the Ravens. What about you? I have the Steelers, first seed. Uh, at, wait, in the AFC? Yes, sir. 
Oh, wow. Okay. Um, (laughs) I think, I I mean, I have the Ravens and the Chiefs at 12 and four, but they play each other week three. And I think that week three matchup is going to determine who gets that first round by because I have the Chiefs at number two. Yeah, I have the Chiefs number two as well. I have the Titans number three. Titans, I got them at number seven. And my number three is the Colts. All right, four, I have the Bills. Four, I've got the Dolphins. Five, I have the Browns, which would be their first time making the playoffs since 2002. Five, I got another shocking team in the Chargers. So I got Chargers and the Dolphins, surprising everybody. Six, I have the Steelers. And number six, I got the Texans. Seven, I got the Patriots. And seven, like I just mentioned, I got the Titans. Got it. Corey's I need whatever Corey's on over there. <laughs> hey, hey, I don't know. I don't know. It's hey, a wild if you're, card. If you're, if you're that confident with your picks, I would definitely put some bets down because those odds are in your favor. So if Yo, you're that confident. Crazy, it's some crazy, crazy, crazy odds right here. Some crazy predictions right here for sure. Right, let's go to the NFC. Obviously, I, well, first of all, I just want to say with the NFC, I'm in love with the NFC this season. I think this – playoffs on the nfc side is going to be so so fun to watch just because yeah, of the just teams the that i have the, the road to the playoffs is going to be so fun to watch yeah one seed i had the buccaneers had him going 15 and one getting that first round by which it would be their first time since 2007 making the playoffs they also potentially are going to host the super bowl uh if they can get to it so that's another potential storyline mm-hmm. for them to look out for but Almost my number one last year Oh, yeah, yeah. And then uh, my number one seed, I'm going with the 49ers this year, so they're going to get that first round by. Second seed, I have Seahawks. Second seed, I'm going with the Green Bay Packers, and I think that will probably be the difference between uh, the Packers being able to get far this year and them maybe having an early bounce. Third seed, I have the Cowboys. Uh, My third seed, I got the Saints. Fourth seed, I got the Packers. Fourth seed, I got the Cowboys. Fifth seed, I got the Niners. Fifth seed, I got the Buccaneers. Sixth seed, I got the Saints. Sixth seed, I got the Cardinals. Seventh seed, I got the Cardinals. Seventh seed, I got the Seahawks. And I cannot wait. If this, so I, I think this, we have the man, same this matchup, teams. This matchup is crazy. Seahawks, Packers, Saints, Cardinals, Buccaneers, Cowboys. So I think we all have we have the same teams just in different order in the NFC. Cool. Um, just AFC. I don't know what the hell you're still smoking. <laughs> I know. <laughs> no. I'm just I know. All right, let's go I on know. to the last part of the episode because this is a hefty episode. I, I warned you guys in the beginning. Um, let's talk about our NFL award predictions. Let's start off with Coach of the Year, Corey. Who do you have? Well, based off just my predictions alone, I think if they're able to get to the postseason. Uh, the coach of the year is going to have to be Brian Flores taking a team that is supposed to be rebuilding and may many could even say it's still not ready yet. And he's somehow able to get them into the postseason. I mean, come on, he's got to be not only up there as coach of the year candidate, he's got to win it for me because nobody except maybe Miami Dolphin fans are predicting the Dolphins to win this division and go to the playoffs. Show me a person out there who's willing to say that. I would even say some Dolphins fan don't even think exactly. they're winning the division. Exactly. Um, 
coach of the year, I have Mike McCarthy. I mean, I know I have Bruce Arians winning or going 15 and one, but I think given the weapons he has, the media might write him off a little bit. And Mike McCarthy being his first year with a brand new offense, brand new team. And uh, if you could take them over that hump, I don't see why he doesn't win coach of the year for them. Offensive rookie of the year. I got Joe Burrow. I just think with the weapons around him and, you know, they're going to be playing from behind a lot in that division. I think Joe Burrow can have a great season, but I kind of think he's going to have a Kyler Murray situation where he's a phenomenal player, but his offensive line is absolute garbage. So I could see him, you know, maybe leading the league in sacks, maybe, uh, you know, his completion percentage isn't going to be there, but I definitely think he will put up enough numbers to be offensive rookie of the year. What about you? Who's your offensive rookie of the year? I'm going with his I guess, former rival, you could say. <laughs> the dude out of Alabama, Tua Tagovailoa, I got him going as the offensive rookie of the year. And I think if Brian Flores and the Miami Dolphins are getting into the postseason, he is going to have to play some sort of role, either him or Fitzpatrick. And I think at some point he's going to have to maybe take over the mantle, whether Fitzpatrick gets injured or whether Fitzpatrick maybe is not having that great of a game. At some point, Tua Tagovailoa is going to feature this season and I think this will probably be that turning point in the season where maybe he gets them going and maybe he's able to push them over the hump. And I, I'm really intrigued to see the matchup between the Cincinnati Bengals and the Miami Dolphins this year because that'll be a rematch for both Burrow and Tua, who both lit it up in college when they played each other, Alabama, LSU, respectfully. Yeah, that was a fun game to watch in college. Um, I just think Tua, for him – I think not starting from day one is going to hurt his case. But if he was, yeah. then I could definitely see it. It could be a situation kind of like Zion, except like hopefully no injury, just mm-hmm. the fact that he didn't play enough games. Right. All right, let's go defensive rookie of the year. I wanted to go with Chase Young, but call me biased all you want. I'm going with Patrick Queen. I just think that with the Ravens and what they do with their middle linebackers, they put their linebackers or middle linebackers on a pedestal. Like you looked at obviously Ray Lewis, but then you look at CJ Mosley, a guy that not a lot of people were talking about and look at CJ Mosley. He, I think was top five in the league in tackles his rookie year. And the rest was history. Um, Patrick Owasu last year had a decent year being the starting linebacker right there. And I think they just do so much with their middle linebacker with blitzing, with, uh, you know, rushing the passer, with uh, flying sideline to sideline, and even in pass coverage. And a lot of people in the Ravens training camp said that this guy reminds him of a Ray Lewis mixed with Ed Reed. I mean, I know that's a lot of pressure and very far-fetched. That's crazy. I could possibly not see him living up to that comparison but i can definitely see him along the lines yeah so that's why i have patrick queen winning defensive rookie of the year what about you i think he's gonna have to play a big role this year but i think i gotta go with isaiah simmons uh i don't want to say a similar situation but i want to say like he's gonna be starting from day one and we talked about that arizona cardinals defense needing help massively and he just inserting him in that role to where he can kind of be somewhat of like a somewhat of a of a a, a coach on the field and a, a guy who can maybe pop off like right away for the Cardinals. He's going to play a key role and he's going to have to really help them out on the defensive side of the ball. Otherwise, he's going to put a lot of pressure on Kyler Murray and the offense to constantly 
have to dig them out of holes. And I think that the defense for Arizona, if they're able to get their stuff together right from the get-go, that could be a difference between them not making and them making the playoffs. Solid pick. Can't argue with that. All right, comeback player of the year. Who do you have? I'm going with Ben, 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 Ben Roethlisberger. I told you guys he's the key. He's the key. He's the key. If he stays healthy, the Steelers win that division, and maybe they go off this year. If not, then it's going to be a tough, 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 I mean, tough you have team. him winning the damn AFC, so I, I don't see how I mean, he wouldn't lose it if that I mean, happens. I mean, I mean, if he turns back the clock and he has a crazy year, man, sh- he a might not people, only be in the forget. comeback player of the year conversation. He might even be in the MVP conversation. A lot of people forget that two years ago he led the league in passing guards with over 5,000. But then again, he did have – Granted, Antonio he did Brown. have AB. Yeah, exactly. Granted, he did have, like, a lot of different offensive weapons at his disposal. But I guess the key thing is, is he going to be able to hang on to the ball and can he obviously stay healthy? Because he does turn over the ball a lot. I think I think that's the same exact question with my comeback player of the year. I have Cam Newton. Same mm-hmm. exact questions. I, I think so many people have just written off Cam Newton. Uh, I I have to a certain extent as well, but I'm really really hoping he proves me wrong this year. And I think I'm really interested to see how he fits with this Belichick offense. What Belichick's offense even has to do with him kind of if it surrounds him or if he surrounds Belichick's offense. So it'll be interesting to see because I also have the the Patriots making the playoffs still as the seventh seed. So I think that's he'll win comeback player of the year. Offensive player of the year. I got my boy Lamar Jackson. I think this guy is still one of the like along with the Christian McCaffrey, I think he is one of the most electric players on a football field that we've ever seen arguably um i mean can do everything posts running back like numbers while posting quarterback numbers at the same time too so it's like it's really hard to go against him i just don't see him winning mvp this year just because he won it last year unanimously so i just i I don't think they'd give it to him back to back years unless unless they go undefeated but i don't Mm. think that happens who do you have for offense player here good point um now maybe if they pop off like the way my man Kush is saying and have like a 15-1 year, then I think you got to go Tom Brady here. Cause I, but I think that I'm going with Tom Brady because of the fact when you look at the way that this man ended last season, throwing a pick six to end off his final To game. Malcolm Butler who saved him in the Super Bowl? I know. It's so ironic. I, I, I totally forgot who even threw that too mm-hmm. until like somebody said like, wasn't that Malcolm Butler? I was like, oh my God, the irony. Yep. But Tom Brady – goes out the way he went out i think he he if if he needs to prove any sort of doubters wrong or if he has any sort of extra motivation onto him he knows that this year has to be big because there's no belichick there obviously and it's a different environment it's a new situation he's got a familiar face alongside him obviously but i just think that tom brady man if he's able to just not even do too much, but be able to take a lot of these young guys who, let's face it, don't really know what winning is like and show them what it's it's like, you know, kind of like what LeBron kind of was when he first got to L.A. Yeah, it wasn't pretty, and it didn't all happen all at once, but I think that as the season progresses, Godwin, Evans, and this entire organization is just going to be sitting around Tom Brady and they're going to be ready and waiting to learn and suck up all the information he has for them. And they're just going to love playing with this guy. I think. 
For sure. Uh, defense player of the year, who do you have? Going Nick, Nick Bosa. And I think that uh, I'm just basing this solely off the fact that I, I, I think that maybe he'll be right up there with Aaron Donald. But if the Rams have like a, I guess, somewhat of a drop-off year, and if the 49ers have the type of year that I'm expecting them to, then maybe he'll he'll probably get the nod over him. But I, obviously it depends on the numbers and depends on what the output is. But overall, I'm just really excited to see what he's able to do in yet another season in the NFL where he's already kind of garnering that uh, similar uh, popularity of Aaron Donald. And, you know, a lot of people are starting to mention his name in the Defensive Player of the Year conversation in that conversation as one of the best defensive players in the NFL. And I think for just such a young player already, he's kind of had his presence felt the moment he got drafted into that organization. And he's just going to have yet a monster year. And I think this time he gets the nod over Donald. I don't think that's too far fetched because I think last year, his rookie year, obviously he won a defensive rookie of the year, um, but he was also in the conversation for a defensive player of the year. So I don't see why in year two, he doesn't take that leap and potentially win it. But I have Chandler Jones winning defensive player of the year. I just think Chandler Jones is probably one of, if not the most underrated player in the game right now. If you just look at his stats, this since he's gone to Arizona last year, 19 sacks year before that 13 sacks year before that 17 sacks year before that 11 sacks tackles for losses, 11, 13, 28, 15, like he is just insane insane you could argue even the best pass rusher in the uh, nfl off the edge so i mean chandler jones is just such a beast and i think with more wins for the cardinals comes more media and more attention which could put him on the map as a defensive player of the year so that's why i see chandler jones winning defensive player of the year mvp who you got Going with Patrick Mahomes. I mean, can't argue with uh, a guy who literally has been a video game-like character the moment he stepped out onto the field and has just surpassed all expectations that anybody had for him. And it's no, it's no wonder that Kansas City paid him the amount of money that they paid him in order for him to stay as a lifelong chief, basically, um, barring anything crazy happening because, we, you know, you can never rule anything out because life is still life. Knock on wood. <laughs> you, know, you know, no, I'm just saying, like, you never know. Like, you know, if his play declines or if he's just not the same player or anything mm-hmm. like that, or unfortunately if he has any injury or anything like that. But this guy has just been balls to the walls and just tough as nails. I mean, the guy had a knee injury and came back in, what, two or three? Oh, don't, don't, don't sugarcoat it. He dislocated his knee. Yeah, this guy dislocated his knee and then comes back fine and dandy yeah. and is able to lead the team all the way to a Super Bowl. That is, that's unbelievable. That's incredible stuff yeah. from Patrick Mahomes. I could definitely see Patty Mahomes winning it. But my guy I got to go with is Seattle. We got a deal. Yes, sir. Go Hawks. Especially, I go my man. especially if they do what they, what you're expecting them to do this year. That's what I'm saying. I got Russell Wilson winning MVP going 14 and two. If my predictions are correct. I just feel like so many people have been so harsh on the media, rightfully so, because Russell Wilson has never received a first place MVP vote in his career. Let that sink in. 
for what this guy has done with the team around him. He has never received a first place MVP vote. And I think the media is finally going to open their eyes and they will vote him MVP, especially if he has a season like this, I just don't see how you don't make him MVP. So I got Russell Wilson. I really, really, really hope he wins MVP this year because he is more than deserving of it. All right. And then let's wrap it up. We got our Super Bowl predictions matchup. Who do you have, Corey, for your matchup and your winner? All right. So I got the Chiefs getting back to the Super Bowl. I think that's not really that big of a stretch or a big of a, of a surprise. But I got, as the number two seed, the Packers knocking off the Seahawks, knocking off the Saints, knocking off the Bucks in the NFC Championship game and losing to the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. We haven't had back-to-back Super Bowl winners since I can't even remember when, but it's been a long time since we've had back-to-back Super Bowl champs. I mean, the Patriots never got it done in all those years. So that, that's a bold statement. Yeah. I, I think I think I got I got I was at first hesitant, but I think that barring anything crazy, I think the Chiefs kind of, as long as they're able to stay healthy and they can get through the AFC, um, I know there's 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 teams like the Bucks. I know there's teams like Seattle, but you throw any of those teams from the NFC, and I think that Kansas City is not scared. They they have nothing to be afraid of, and especially if they come up against a team like the Packers, uh, yeah, it, it, it's definitely going to be uh, not that not that not that difficult because I don't I just don't. The one thing I'll say though about this prediction is I just don't know if the Packers have the longevity to be able to get through the gauntlet of teams that I just laid out, but I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what happens. But the one thing that I'm kind of uh, interested to seeing in my prediction is if everything plays out the way that I'm expecting it to, and you know, miraculously things, you know, the bracket ends up the way it does the bucks play the Cowboys. That's a matchup. I will be intrigued if it happens in like the first round or like one of I'm the- telling you, man, any uh, NFC matchup is going to be so fun to watch. Oh, exactly. Exactly. But anyway, what's your uh, Super Bowl pick, Kush? Uh, my Super Bowl pick, um, after I say this, you'll probably turn the podcast off just because <laughs> you're going to think I'm absolutely biased, which I could be, but I have the Ravens beating the Saints in the Super Bowl. I only say the Saints though if Alvin Kamara is healthy and decides to play this season. If he doesn't, I'm going to go with the Bucks, but I'm saying that Kamara is going to be healthy. I have Ravens versus Saints this season and I have Ravens winning it. Call me crazy, call me biased, call me whatever you want, but call me delusional from this stat that I'm about to read you, but year after they won MVP, the last two MVPs won the Super Bowl the year after. Tom Brady in 2017, watered in 2018. Mahomes in 2018, watered in 2019. Lamar Jackson in 2019, to be Maybe determined. 2020, to be determined. <laughs> so we shall see. But, yeah, that's my I mean, Super Bowl. This, I mean, the, the great thing about these predictions, though, Fish, is that it's really not a stretch of the imagination because there's so many curveballs that could happen right. throughout the course of this season. And we're just 
hoping and praying. This, this is going to be the craziest and, season with the whole COVID situation going on. I mean, I feel like while we while we've been talking about this the whole time, we've been acting like it's a regular season, like there isn't any COVID going on. Exactly, acting like that. Oh man, this team gets home field advantage. Right. <laughs> the I mean, crowd's I mean, be crazy. <laughs> I mean, I'm hoping it's going to be like that. Fingers crossed. We all go back to normal. But oh, for sure, for sure. Doubt. I highly, highly doubt that that will yeah. happen. But um. Yeah, we'll that's our we'll that's our action-packed NFL episode. Let us know how you feel on our social media. Let me know. Let 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 us know how crazy Corey is for having both the Chargers, Dolphins, and the Steelers in the playoffs, and how biased Kush is for having his team <laughs> win the Super Bowl. Make sure you hit us up on Twitter at the underscore nosebleeds, Instagram the nosebleeds, um, on Facebook the nosebleeds podcast. That's K N O W S leads Corey. any last words football is back baby and i'm so ready for it it should be a fun year i'm excited got fantasy football got the bets going down got our predictions going on all right but that's pretty much it we'll catch y'all later deuces